All right, listeners, before before we, oh boy, Scott, you said live. I was like, oh, shit. are we on online? <laughs> okay, so and I see record only now. All right, all right. Whew, there's another one. Before I leave it off to Brent, let's do that again. One, the one and only Adam. Let me start again. Sorry. So now that the 2020, oh, sorry again. <laughs> Debbie Downer, Dougie Downer. Hey guys, Grant said hump. I saw everyone go off mute, so I'm <laughs> on mute so everyone else could talk. Damn it. All right, fine. I guess I'll go. Welcome to the 51st episode of the Plastic Posse Podcast, or as we like to call it, the Island of Misfit Podcasters. Today, I'm joined by three of my outstanding modeling modelers and friends, my wonderful co-hosts, Scott, Doug, and JB. But sadly, TJ and Ivan will not be joining us tonight due to prior commitments. Hey, guys, we miss you so much. How's everybody doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. I'm building models. I'm, I'm back to work. I'm actually having a having a pretty good life right now. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good as well. Having a good time at the bench. We'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Uh, John and I have been uh, planning some trouble. We're going to do some uh, visits to Vegas and Salt Lake City. So I uh, can't seem to get the uh, model shows out of our blood. So that's been good. How have you been, Grant? I'm good. You know, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, you know, I, everything seems to be going good. I got, you know, my couple builds going right now. So that's fun. So I'm just looking forward to a long weekend of you know, and just modeling and modeling and modeling. How about you, JB? I'm doing well. I've cranked out a few things that we'll talk about later, but it's been a really busy week at work, but it was really great to connect with Stephen Lee this week. I had the opportunity. He had actually met a coworker who connected with me and we stuck up a conversation on Messenger and you know, it went from nine in the morning just saying, Hey, I'm in town to five in the afternoon meeting at Colpar and then Korean barbecue and turning uh turning the lights off at the joint. So that was a really it was a really great time and I think just strengthens, you know, why we do this, why we, why we love the hobby and, and why the posse is, is what the posse is. You know, it's, it's all about friendship. It's all about, you know, sharing the love for the hobby. And that's certainly what we did, not only at the hobby shop, but a wonderful uh, Korean barbecue that, uh, it was just a really great time. So that was, that was the highlight of my last two weeks. That was really cool. I saw the pictures. That looked like you guys had a great time. Before we jump into the episode, I think it's really important that we bring up some shows that we're attending. We'll be at two over the next two months to see some of our listeners and hang out with a lot of our friends. The first of which will be on August 27th in Las Vegas, Nevada. So we're coming back. We got we didn't get enough at National, so we're coming back. We'll be at the Best of the West 2022. It is at the Orleans Hotel, Resort, and Casino on August 27th. Super excited to go. I'll be flying out early Saturday morning and meeting up with my co-hosts there, Scott Gentry and Grant. How are you guys getting to Vegas? I am going to be tagging along with a good friend of mine, John Vitkus, here from the Salt Lake City area. 
we're just going to drive down after work on Friday night and then, uh, you know, stay the weekend. And, uh, man, I can't, cannot wait, cannot wait to give our good friend Joe Porsche a, a little bit of a hard time and see him again and then see, uh, John, you and Grant there as well as a number of other, uh, modelers that are all going to be uh, heading to the show. Yeah, I'm the same way, Scott. I'm, I'm taking off, uh, Saturday morning very early. Me and some friends here from the LA area are driving up. It's a two hour, two and a half hour drive for us. Not too long. Can't wait to see Joe, you know, give him a hard time, you know, see some great, you know, Vegas stuff that I didn't get to see in the Nationals there. And hopefully it doesn't get one of those monsoons like they've been seeing and drive home that night, looks like. But, you know, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. You know, Joe is doing a great job. And the the whole IPMS community there in Vegas is a great group of guys. Um, And I cannot wait for this show. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, just echoing that, I think it's going to be a fantastic event. Joe Porsche, Pete Boucher, and their whole team is really doing excellent work. Again, that's August 27th. The doors open at 9. It closes at 5. 15 bucks to enter your first three models, $2 after each of that. General admission is also available for individuals and families. And then also active military and first responders are free. Looking at the categories, it has any everything and anything that you can bring. So please bring your models. I think the entry fee is very reasonable. And it's certainly going to be shaping up to an awesome event. I've heard nothing but great things about the vendors. The room's going to be chock-a-block full. I'm not going to have an Ivan problem because Scott is driving. And if I go all Ivan, I will be able to maybe pawn some off on him because I'm flying out Sunday. So I'm looking forward to the hang, just like the IPMS Nationals. Once the show ends, Scott, John, and I, and hopefully some local folks. And if you're in the area, consider spending the night. We'll have a good, you know, we'll find a nice place for dinner. We'll just hang out and talk models. And and that's the most important things of these events. And I will say before I kick it off to Scott to talk about the other event in September, I think it's, I think it's really, uh, it's really unique that if you rewind the clock before I joined the posse, before I got to know these fine gentlemen, considering flying to a one day show was like out of the picture. And it's something that I would have never really contemplated even considered and even driving over like four or five hours is a, is a stretch. I think at least for me moving out here, getting to know these folks, it is just uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. So I am super excited, almost repaying the favor from commies fest and all the folks to come visit me. I cannot wait to go to Las Vegas and I cannot wait to go to salt Lake, which Scott will talk about. Yeah. There's a local IPMS club here in salt Lake, John uh, IPMS uh, salt Lake city. And they are putting on their Salt Lake City uh, IPMS Model Expo on uh, the 24th of September. John uh, is going to come over uh, the day before, and we're going to do some uh, Utah modeler stuff that's going to be a lot of fun. But this looks like it's going to be a great show. They're going to have it at a local venue at uh, Salt Lake Community College. Uh, You can find more information over on the Facebook page um, on entry fees and everything like that. But it's going to be a great show. We've already heard we've got modelers uh, coming from Oregon and California and Colorado and Las Vegas. So it's going to be a great show. Um, if you guys do come out to that, make sure you look John and I up. Doug will be there at least for a part of that show as well. Maybe we can twist Grant's arm and and uh, get him up there as well. But it's going to be a great event. You know, we're obviously uh, a little bit addicted to these social events, uh, uh, filling up our calendar here with them. Like John said, all of a sudden driving uh, eight hours or or flying just doesn't seem to be uh, much of a much of a detriment to us here. So that's really great. Also want to kind of tease something uh, coming up in the future. 
I am currently working with a, a great group of guys here in the Salt Lake area to start an AMPS chapter. So if you're in the Utah area and you want more information on that, just reach out to me on the Posse page or, or on my Facebook account. And also, there is a group of us here in Salt Lake City that are getting together to put together an event in 2023 that we're pretty excited about. That's all I'm going to say right now. But stay tuned here to the Posse for more information on that. So, man. And guys, lots of great shows, uh, lots of great people, which, you know, let's face it. That's what this whole thing is all about. Yeah, I'm the same way, Scott. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see you guys again. You know, it seems like yesterday, you know, we just saw each other in, in Omaha. But yeah, I can't wait to see, you know, all the great models in Vegas and try and make it up for your show in Utah there. And then next year definitely will be there. And, you know, I can't wait. And Scott, I'm I'm even more excited about the outside Utah thing or the outside of the show things in Utah. You know, the Friday hang. Just heard that Doug's going to be with us. So that's going to be awesome. And, you know, checking out the Hill Air Force Base, another the car restoration gentleman that you mentioned it's going to be great and maybe steve baker's going to ride over with me as well so i'll have i'll have a wingman a true wingman a fighter pilot wingman <laughs> my, as my co-pilot so i'm very excited about that steve uh you know steve missed out at nationals and he's jonesing for a hang and i think this is this salt lake adventure is really going to line up well with his schedule you know i just can't wait to I just can't wait. They're as simple as that. To the end of the year, we have Vegas, Salt Lake, and then I get to see Ivan again in November. Uh, if I would have known shipping costs, I probably would have delivered it to him myself. Uh, but for our <laughs> listeners, he'll talk a little bit about that next time. <laughs> when it's when it's not so fresh, but yeah, John, absolutely. I mean, you set the bar so high on our visits over to Colorado that we've got to pay you back a little bit. So we are going to have a really, really good time. And uh, yeah, both uh, the Vegas and the Salt Lake events are going to be off the charts, man. So. And I'll tell you what, you're coming to Utah at the right time. Uh, the fall, end of September, October are just beautiful times to be here. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to wrap that Friday before uh, with a dinner up in the mountains that I think you're going to really appreciate. So outstanding. Hey, Scott, uh, how about we hear about our sponsors? Absolutely, Grant. The Triple P is pleased to be sponsored by TankCraft.com. We love TankCraft. They make some fabulous scale modeling accessories for your bench. Are you still using Aunt Mabel scrapbooking, Matt, on your workbench? Really? It's time to upgrade to something much more suitable to a model of your sophisticated stature. Tankcraft cutting mats are heavy duty. They're self-healing. They come in two convenient sizes, and they have some really cool World War II tank and aircraft blueprint drawings on them. Spread out your next build on a Panzer Gray Tiger One or maybe a military green P-47 Thunderbolt mat. Check out all the dope designs over at tankcraft.com. That's T-A-N-K-R-A-F-T dot com. And pick up a Tankcraft Pro Modeler mat today and up armor your bench. And remember, most importantly, Posse listeners can use the code POSSE15, that's P-O-S-S-E-1-5, at checkout to get 15% off your first order. You know, I got to say, you know what? Everybody, I found out at Nats, everybody wants a tank craft mat. They were, everybody was asking about those. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, wasn't it, Doug? Everybody's like, how much for the mat? How much for the mat? I want the mat. I want the mat.
Hey, it's time to send a shout out to the Posse Outriders. These are the listeners who support the Posse by becoming Patreon contributors. If you would like to support the Triple P and become a Plastic Posse Outrider, it's really easy. Just head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Plastic Posse Podcast and set up a reoccurring donation there. You can donate any amount you would like, and your support helps us offset the cost of bringing you the Triple P. There are three different tiers of support, starting with only $1 a month. Starting with the top tier, our awesome deputy marshals, Chris, Toadman Hughes, John Bryant, Model Doc, Doug Reed, Greg James, Dan Knopfel, Les Wakala, B. Colt1911, John Everett, Josh Buck, Luke Carswell, Thomas Bannock, Mark Bradley, Zach Pease, Jewel Munson, Josh Orr, Eric Brubaker, David Ryan Bridges, Ethan Idamill, Jared Cowell, J.C. Osborne, Mike Talley, Steve Baker, Bruce the Model Noob, Jeremy Moore, Skill Model Hanger, and Rick Cooper. Thanks, guys. Next, we have our posse foreman. Previous seat, Tim H., Michael Libero, Greg Williams, Jack, J-A-K, Jack, Robert Klein, Ian Bonner, Lee Fogel, Mr. Grizz, Rob Burnside, Martin Drayton, our good friend Aaron Cook, the infamous voice of Bob, Steve Schaefer, Steve Munsell, Matthew Johnston, John Vitkus, Ash Whitehouse, Jamie Stokes, Craig Jarbo, Mike Bird, Jeremy Elliott, mediocre middle-aged modeler, Eric Daglish, Rick Lewis, Paul Wheeler, and Eric Semmelmeyer. Nicely done. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have our Posse Outriders. Uh, this list is uh, growing as well. So we have Lynn, Neil, Jackson, Pat, Chris, Robert, Brian, Matthew, Warren, David, Zach, Ashley, and Jamie. Well done, deputies. We really appreciate your support. Thanks for being Patreons of the Plastic Posse. Just a reminder, the Posse is just one of several modeling podcasts out there. We are a member of a group of great podcasts. And if you want to see the full list of some of the other great podcasts plus social media contributors, head on over to modelpodcast.com where you can find a link to all of them. Okay, guys, it's time for our interview. Today, we are super happy to bring you the one and only Andy Klein from Andy's Hobby Headquarters and YouTube fame. JB and Scott were lucky enough to sit down with Andy and discuss his new kit and many other outstanding topics. We hope you enjoy this interview as much as we enjoyed doing it. All right, listeners, we are super happy to have the one, the only, Andy Klein from Andy's Hobby Headquarters. Andy? Let's get started. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. We are beyond thrilled to have you with me. We have Scott on from the Triple P. How you doing, Andy? Very good. Nice to meet you guys. Well, John, yeah, well, I've actually met you many times, but <laughs> Scott, first time for you, so... Yeah, and we're super happy to have you on the pod. This has been a long time coming. We're ecstatic to share your story, the latest news. And with that latest news, we'd love to just jump in right away and talk about a special project that you've had recently, the Sherman Easy 8. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, um, the the Easy 8, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. As a, I think back to a few years back that the possibility of having my own model kit I, who thinks of something like that? That doesn't happen to just a little guy who owns a little tiny hobby store. And uh, yeah, it's it's come about. Uh, I'm thrilled to death about it. Um, I've had uh, all kinds of great input uh, to talk and do this thing. And the main guy behind it is my friend Harold from uh, MBK. 
you guys may know, I may have mentioned it last year, I was the the force behind him doing the 16 scale stug. And I kept pushing him for like a year and a half. I said, hey, you need to do this. You need to do this and do it, do it this way. And he was like, he didn't say anything for the longest time. And then next thing I know, he goes, hey, guess what I'm doing? So he started about, eh, I'd say about a year and a half ago. And he was like, okay, now you need to do one. And I, I thought he was joking. I was like, yeah, okay. But he said, no, I'm serious. So about a year and a half ago, I was kind of half-heartedly doing it. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this. Getting, uh, getting all that done. And then about a year ago, he said, no, I'm serious. Let's do this. Um, you should do it. And I said, yep, okay. After I got approval from my wife. So <laughs> after she gave me the approval, she said, well, let's see how it is. So he got me in touch with a couple of different companies to start with. I have a very good relationship with Tacom, and that's that's why I went with Tacom. Um, they they explained everything to me, and there was a long process of obviously doing up the CAD work, and that's why it's it's not a like, hey, let's do this, and it's done next week. And <laughs> And I think it was April. April was when everything was finalized. The CAD work was done. And it's about four months process to get the main molds done. The test shots, which is where I'm at right now. And they're in the process now of finalizing, putting cast marks on it, the well details, all the little tiny stuff. That's why I have to tell people so many times on the video that all that's coming. It's all coming. I promise <laughs> you. It's, uh, it's this, this test shot is to make sure everything fits. Not yeah. for the overall look of it yet. That's coming. So, in fact, I I, I contact Tacom constantly, and she's, they always go, "Don't worry, we're taking care of it." And I go, "I know, I know, I know." <laughs> I just want they are so much of my input. Um, in fact, I've got one little tiny story that you guys will all come out when you guys notice the decal sheet. Um, there will be a name on that decal sheet of Denise. And Denise is my wife. And when I went to him a, a while back and I said, look, uh, I want my wife's name on the side of the first tank I built. <laughs> Nobody else would probably care or do anything else, but I want mine on it. And they go, yeah, no problem. And not only did they did that, they did a full color sheet that Ammo by Mig did the color sheet for. That's so awesome. If you see one in there, it's, uh, I think it's. Eighth Armored Division, something like that, but it's got Denise on the side of it. So that, that one might be strictly for me, but it's the most important one in the entire uh, collection there. So, and, and even a, a little side story with that too. My grandfather was in World War II with the first infantry division. And after when the war stopped, he got transferred to eighth armor just because they said, Hey, we need numbers. Hey, you, you're an eighth armor now. And when I was younger, I received his uniform and I was like, Eighth Armor, where'd that come from? And my uncle explained it. So one of the units in there just so happens to be Eighth Armor. So it's going to be Eighth Armor, my first one, and with Denise on the side. Whether it's completely fictitious or not, doesn't matter. That's what I'm building right there. That's awesome. So I guess, you know, what spawned the Easy 8 Why that subject above everything else? Well, obviously American. Nobody does anything in American 16 scale. It's just glanced over right there. And mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to do a Sherman and I personally liked the EZ-8 quite a bit. I know mm -hmm. it came later in the war, but it's a badass looking thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've got the 76, it could take on, it's sometimes, you know, a little misaligned the Sherman, but uh, it's, it's just a cool thing. And it's the longest serving Sherman in yeah. of all of them. I mean, I know there was earlier ones, but you can do all the, I mean, there was armies up to the eighties using Shermans of that particular oh, yeah. one. So, and I was like, yes, I want to do American. And I always knew it was going to be a Sherman to start. That's how it came about. And, and obviously you see, I know some people are 
fury. Okay. Some people <laughs> like it. Some, whether they like it or not, it brought a lot of attention to easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. So, it's, it's just such a cool tank. That's that's first and foremost why I wanted to do that. Yeah, and what I love about it, I've been watching, you know, you dropped your video. I think you dropped it right around the IPMS Nationals too. And that was a buzz in the hall. Personal story there, you dropped it while we were all in Omaha. I remember in the hotel room and we're all around like, you know, having a good time. And we're like, whoa, check this out. So we're all <laughs> watching the video and then we saw your pre-order link. And I'll be honest, Andy, I, I bought it right then and there. Right and on I the spot. Think- Right on the spot. And we, I think three or four of us did. And I actually spent more money on your shop that day than at the show. So, <laughs> well, you know. I appreciate it. And my <laughs> wife appreciates that too. Uh, seriously, though, we were very, very impressed with the, the number of people that are supporting the project with, uh, with their pre orders. And yeah, that was, and I really wanted to get to IPMS Nationals, but yeah. I knew I couldn't book it in advance because I didn't know exactly when my test shot show up and it yeah. showed up on Wednesday. And yeah, it was yeah. like, okay. Okay, so well, a few friends went there and they had table like Steve um, from yeah. Value Gear. Oh yeah, goes, come on over to my it. table. And I said, <laughs> I want to very badly, but I don't know when this kit is showing up. So, <laughs> and Steve well, didn't say anything, which is very good because he's known about it for a while because he's making obviously a lots of Value Gear products. Because we really want to have a lot of different aftermarket products. In fact, today we just announced uh, our cooperation with Aber. We did um, aftermarket fifty cal and yep. the uh, bullets too. The so that cases. works with the the Tacom four x four utility vehicle, <laughs> as well as the uh, the Sherman. So that's super exciting. I mean, I just have to say on the Easy Eight for armor modelers, you could not have packed more value into that kit for the pre order price of one thirty nine. You know, metal barrel, workable tracks, you know, just, uh, yeah, a beautiful, beautiful figure. I mean, Jason knocked it out of the park with that figure. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just a tremendous value. And then, uh, you know, that leads us over into, uh, you know, the the quarter ton utility truck, the Jeep. I guess I can say Jeep, but for 20 years, I have just been like, please, somebody, a 116th scale Jeep. is. So I am so excited. But, what, you know, uh, we, we've watched the videos of the test shots and everything. But tell us a little bit about that. And we're kind of getting close on, on the Jeep kit, aren't we? Yes, actually, the, uh, the container is low with those right now and uh, they will be shipping out within the next few days and I, I hesitate to say other than sometime in September they'll be here <laughs> so. but there I think things are moving quicker now this is a good time of year there's not the Christmas rush it hasn't started yet so yes they are they are loaded on a container and they are on our way to us and that is something too I'm with you of all the vehicles in the world that no one has made in 16th scale that it's small it's even a lot of car guys are very excited about that because of what mm-hmm. happened, what they used them after the war. And it's, it's, it's an incredible and the detail on that. I'm, I'm not a Jeep ep- expert, but you flip that over and it looks like this thing should start, <laughs> you know? So yeah, really, really again, beautiful presentation. Great. And again, a great value. I mean, what the, the pre-order price on that is what? $49. I mean, I mean, just in, in incredible pricing for what you get in the box. And then the detail on the tires and, you know, the wiper motors or the full engine and suspension, yep. you know, just, and the figure and the 50. Yeah. Cal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just incredible value and detail. And, and just you guys are really hitting it out of the park with these projects. 
Yeah, just just to add to that, the Jeep had an opportunity to see one of the test shots at Value Gear's booth. We sat next yes. to them with the Triple P, and Steve had a piece there. And Scott unfortunately missed it, but uh, it was he had it right on his table. And it, oh man, I I need to go buy one of those now too because it, it, it is beautiful. So you'll you'll love it, and the way it goes together. I mean, the the, the uh, steering works on it. That I'm, well, I mean, works. The wheels yeah. twist. It's not hooked to the steering wheel, but <laughs> that would be a, a feat. But yes, it's a gorgeous kit. Anyone who gets it in or sees it in the store, because I have the prototype as well as the final. Yeah, they're just like, wow, what is this? And you tell them the whole story, and it's incredible. So, and you've built at least two of those, correct? Yes, I built the the test shot. Uh, once again, it didn't have all the detail on it, but the mm-hmm. test shot. They came back to me and they said, well, we had 40 different things that we upgraded on. And I went, you knocked this one out of the park. I don't know what you needed up to. And they were all just like, well, we've got this little thing we want to fix. And and then when I finally did put the final one together, it just, you know how my, my videos start pouring the glue and shaking, throwing? Yeah. yeah. It's like that. It's It goes together yeah. beautifully. Very, yeah. very impressed with it. I felt that way. I'll even bring up an older topic is the Stug 3G. I thought your videos showing how well that builds up immediately pre-ordered that, bought it, built it, took it to Nats. Fantastic kit. And I think another one where you built two of, that's what I have mad respect. You're building not only the test shot, but the final one as well. Right. And and actually I have, I've already built a Sherman test shot. Yeah. And um I slapped it together. That's why you won't see it on YouTube or anything. I mean, I sanded it, of course, but there, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not ready, ready for camera. But then yesterday I was looking at it in the store and I go, get my olive drab out and sprayed <laughs> the entire thing, painted it. And, and as well, since John, you've seen the, uh, the tracks on the Stug, mm-hmm. these, the Sherman ones blow it away. It, oh, wow. How easily they go together and how well they work. That last yeah. video I did where I'm, I running saw the track, you. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. That's that is just right out of the box, just playing with it. It is engineering masterpiece, I think. So yeah, and and I think you know it's interesting when I built the Stug, and you've probably experienced. You know, it's not that much more complicated than the thirty fifth scale kit. It's built so no, easily. No, and and that's that's the biggest push that we want to do. Um, I don't want a kit that's going to have two thousand parts on it. I love building. This is my this is my pride and joy, my hobby. But I don't want to be burnt out with it either. That you know when there's like. That's why it was Tamiya. Tamiya yeah. would take two parts and some other companies would make 15 parts and it looks just as good when Tamiya did two parts. And oh yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's, that was my philosophy going into this. So, and also keeping costs down. Uh, yep. I, that's, I approach all of this, my YouTube channel, this project right here, all with the customer in mind. And I, I work six days a week in my hobby store. I, I work in the warehouse every day and I talk to people constantly and mm-hmm. I, Pat myself on the back. I think I know what people kind of want because they tell me, they go, Hey, this is what we want. And yes, it does not have a full interior inside of it, but full interior kits sell two to three percent compared to the same identical kit without an interior. And you can put an interior in it, but that 139 now becomes $250 and it turns off a lot of people to that. We want to get it to the masses. It's, oh, it's yeah. got to go out to the masses. And- Your Stug is an excellent example of that. I built it and I actually opened up the hatches and at Nats, it was entered in the open top category where they judge interiors and it, you know, it, it, it did great. And, but when you look through the hatches, you see enough where it's like, okay, there's an interior, but like you said, there's not a thousand pieces yep. of like the drivetrain up front that you're never going to see yep. unless you pop those front hatches. And and that's everyone, everyone goes, Oh, I'd like to, I'd like to see the full interior. Nobody wants to build it. 
<laughs> yes. Everybody wants to see it. Nobody wants to build it. And after I built two full interior kits and I was like, oh God, never again. Yeah, <laughs> Not until something really good right? comes around that I really yeah. want. So, And there's aftermarket companies. I just saw mm-hmm. the Stug. The Stug's got new ammo racks now that you can add yep. inside and 3D printing. Yep. Yeah. David Parker. Someone will come out with an interior for the, for the Sherman. The seats oh, are sure. inside there. The seats. So if you look down, if you're not looking through the figure, you'll see the seat. The entire gun breech is inside. Oh. The 30 cal is inside there. That is all magnificently designed. And if you could see it, because it's kind of tucked underneath, yeah. you got to pull the turret off. But that is all inside of there. To see. Nice. So very, That's very awesome. Detail. And I'm kind of yeah. surprised, too, I, you know, that they went through all the trouble to to design that part because it's yeah. not seen. But they said, well, it's necessary for the gun. So. Oh, nice. That's exciting. I think, I think it's all like what you said. I think it's designed to appeal to the masses. You know, most of the new Tamiya armor kits are half of what, uh, you know, like a dragon kit is, and they sell probably 10 times or, or more, you know, because Absolutely. they're, they have such broad appeal and they build up so wonderfully. And, you know, if you do what, like you said, if you do want to go crazy on the interior, there's garage kit manufacturers and aftermarket companies that would love to take your money. So, you know, that's always an option. Yep. Absolutely. And, um, you're, and I've seen it already with the Stug. I mean, the people will be reaching out and saying, hey, we're going to do this inside. We're going to do this inside. That's wonderful. That's the yeah. best thing. And then you got people like Steve and Value Gear. He's making all the stuff for the outside. I, I want a pretty outside more than I want the inside. So, and 100%. His, his, his set for the Stug was great. And I can't wait to see what he comes up with for the, uh, the Sherman. Oh, yeah. 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 He'll nail that for sure. What a great and guy. The, and for the four by four utility vehicle too. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Lots of opportunities. Although, uh, I have to say the number one on my list for that kit's going to be that Aber machine gun. So that take you a look about. at it. It's, it is gorgeous. Although the, the kit piece. So someone who doesn't want to, the kit is gorgeous. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, it is slide molded with the barrel. All that stuff is, it's just wonderful the way I, I looked at it. Oh, geez, they, this is, this is almost <laughs> like the, uh, the turned brass one. So man, yep. that's so exciting. So Andy, we've kind of gone down deep, uh, deep with one sixteenth right away. I'd love to push the rewind button and get to know more about you. I'm going to kick it over to Scott to kind of ask you how this all started. Yeah, and he will, uh, you know, uh, I've been to your shop. John's been to your shop. It's a great shop. Loved my visit there. Um, probably don't remember, but I bought a great big Klingon cruiser from you a couple of years ago. Um, but let's, let, let's kind of go back and let's, uh, you know, start at the beginning. You know, where did your, your model shop start at? Kind of take us through how, how that eventually ended up with you and Phoenix and as we go on uh, your partnership with MBK. Absolutely. Well, uh, the modeling uh, shop started in uh, 1995 in El Cajon, California. You guys might not know, I grew up in California, uh, which is El Cajon's a suburb of San Diego. Went to El Cajon Valley High and I started that shop there with my father, actually. And I was always a big model fan growing up. I have to admit, I took a break during my high school in my early 20s. But then I was looking for something to do again. And I just noticed there was no shops to speak of in, in my area. And my dad and I had just sold our other business. And we were like, let's do this. Back then, you got out the business to business phone book. Uh, <laughs> there was no internet yet. And we got in there. And we started looking around for distributors and did that. That shop did really well. But the cost of living in California was going crazy. And I, I had just gotten married at that time and had uh, had two kids. And we said, Hey, let's, let's look at Phoenix because the cost of living was a lot less. And we came out here in 2005 
found the location that I'm in right now, a little tiny shop, but I loved it. And that's, that's how that all came about. And the shop did well, not to the degree it is now, all thanks to YouTube. So back seven years ago, almost seven years exactly, I always would get, I always want to talk to people. And if you, if you come in at a time and there's not a hundred people inside, I'll chew your ear off like there's no tomorrow on it. And people would always ask, Hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? I, I can't explain it all right now. There's a bunch of customers in here. I go, I'm going to make a simple video on YouTube because everyone kept saying, you, you should look at YouTube. And I made a, a video of painting tiger wheels. It was stills. It wasn't even a video. I don't even call it a video. It was just stills. And I just wrote on the bottom of it and I put it up and I put it up there. Nothing happened immediately. And I came back to it after a month and I had 10 subscribers and a thousand views. And I almost fell over and I went, a thousand people want to see that? <laughs> so I immediately deleted that channel because it was my personal channel. And I started Andy's Hobby Headquarters and I just made the commitment. I'm going to, I'm going to show people how to have fun with this hobby. I'm, I understand I'm not the greatest model in the world. I'm not trying to be. I want to have fun and I'm going to show all my customers. And that's the biggest comment I get when I get in people walking the door. I've had uh, people from all over the world that come in there and go, you, I did this as a kid and you making it look like it's fun. And I go, well, yeah, that's, if it's not, why are you doing it? You know, some people out there are miserable about it. I'm like, why would you do this if you don't like it? I love doing this. And yep, it's, uh, and that's it too. I want to show people that the achievable results you can get with just some simple things. I, I don't want to intimidate anyone. You, mm -hmm. you know, you can spin and that's great. I love those kind of, I like watching all the artistic stuff, mm -hmm. uh, but I want people to be able to go, Hey, I, I'm a weekend warrior. It's mm -hmm. a dad who has like an hour a night that he can, you know, when the family's gone to bed and stuff that I want to just knock this kid out or a couple hours on the weekend. That's who I kind of patterned all this to. And it kind of caught on people like they liked uh, hearing what I had to say. And it's, it's still, still have to pinch myself sometime and go, Hey, that, that's real. All these people come in from around the world. And then the first person after a year that came in and asked for an autograph, my wife goes, Oh my God, there's no living with me. Now. Like, no, I was, I turned beat red. I was, I was kind of embarrassed. I'm like, why would you want my autograph? And I signed a wingnut wing kit. <laughs> if they would have only known <laughs> it's worth, it's worth a lot less with my signature. Right now. <laughs> well, what? I think that's what makes, you know, your shop such a destination. And I truly believe it is a destination because of the experience that you provide. I'll say I went to the IPMS nationals in 20, Oh gosh, was it 2019? The one before the pandemic? Uh, it was uh, 2018, actually. 2018. Yes. That's what I, rem I re actually remember meeting you that time too. Yes. So I came out to the nationals, but the number one thing, even above the nationals was like, I'm going to Andy's shop. If I have to rent a car myself, I'm going there. And, you know, going in your shop, it was truly an experience. One, it's a pure scale model hobby shop, which is Honestly, I don't know if those exist anymore outside of you. Yep. And then the experience you provide in which, you know, you have, it's, it's, it's just, just everything. You, the way you handle customers as they come in, making them feel welcome. You have everything that you've built online right there, which I thought was amazing because you see it on TV, I dare say. Right. And then you go in and you see it. And what I found what was really great. And something that I cherish is I purchased one of your half tracks and I have it in my display case. And that was something that was one of my greatest takeaways from Phoenix was, was a model that was built by you that I'll always cherish. Oh, well, thank you. That's wonderful. And, and the, you know, I, I took it out when friends come over, Scott seen it and, you know, you, the way, you, again, it was just a casual conversation. I don't know what we talked about, but I had fun in your shop and, right. 
and that's the group of individuals that I was there with. You know, we took a picture with you. We talked about it the whole trip. Like that, that's what matters at the end of the day. And, and you provide something that, you know, in a, in a world today that it could be a lot different, but you chose to go, you know, it's just positive. It's, it's yep. happy. It's, it's, it's the, it's just fun at the bottom that's line. That's my main word right there is keeping it positive. In yeah. fact, even the, the whole mediocre modelers. Yeah. You know, obviously that, that has taken off. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a joke on me. So when I first started doing it, there was a few other people that were going on sites and they're going, Oh my God, Andy. And I don't know why he has such a following. He's mediocre at best. <laughs> and I'm talking to all my friends that come in the store because they, on the weekends, they'd come in and we'd hang out and model and stuff. And I went mediocre. I started laughing. I go, that's great. I'm a, I'm the, I go, I'm the king of the mediocre modelers. And as a joke, a friend of mine said, Hey, let's make some t-shirts. And I went, <laughs> you're on. So my son designed my little, my little tank rider guy. He did my 14 uh, year old son at the time designed <laughs> the whole little cartoon logo. And it started off as a joke and people came in and go, Hey, can, can I get a shirt too? And I go, okay, I'm, that's great. So I made some mediocre mollish. We sold out all of them. And the best, best quick little story. I had a, a gentleman write me from Australia. He was walking down the street somewhere in Australia. He had my Andy's Hobby Headquarters mediocre model shirt on. Another guy stopped him in the street and he says, Oh my God, I watch Andy too. Those two guys became friends. They didn't know each other were modelers. And he said, and now I have a modeling buddy that I would have never known just because of your shirt. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's incredible. So a small world, so to speak. It really is. And especially when you're being positive, you know, cause just like you said a little bit earlier, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about this on our podcast. What we're doing is we're putting paint on little toys. If it's not fun, go get some golf clubs and do something else. Exactly. And that I'm glad you said toys because that that's how I look at it, too. It's like this is something now, granted, today it's more of an adult hobby. But when mm-hmm. in the 70s, when I was growing up, I was doing this when I was four and five years old. And I'd build this model, have a big fingerprint in the side of glue. If I was lucky, I could get some spray paint, you know, to paint the whole thing. And I'd fly it around my mom and dad's house or my grandmother's house or with my uncle. And that's what it was all about. That, that's what I remember back going, eh, you know, <laughs> making the noises and everything. And I s- still do that kind of a little bit today. even. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. So, you know, with your hobby shop in Phoenix, when I was there, it was only, it was like a shotgun store. But now yes, you, small you've, one. D- you've doubled it. You knocked down the wall next to it. Actually tripled the size of it. Yes. Um, and that all came about with uh, when you mentioned the 2018 IPMS Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just went there for because I obviously have to run my store. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine said, hey, you should come over. and Would you be at my table? And I had just hit a hundred thousand. I hadn't gotten my bat, my, my plaque yet, but they said, would you come and be at my store? I said, absolutely. I'd love to. I'd come down. And there was a, just crowds and crowds of Andy's hobby <laughs> mediocre modeler shirts walking around. And that's actually how I met, um, my friend Harold at MBK. He's walking around. He goes, who, who the heck is Andy? <laughs> and, and they said, yeah, it's, he, he's, he's a local guy in here and. Harold drove over to the store the same day you came over and I met him for the first time. So it was, it was very, it was an interesting 
thing that uh, the best thing about all this is all the people I've got to meet around the world. And yeah. that was one of the stories. So very unusual sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you were, you were a star attraction in Vegas as well. You, you know, your booth was the spot to go to. <laughs> I shook, I think, a thousand people hands. <laughs> and I shouldn't say that during COVID, but yeah, <laughs> a thousand people's hands during COVID on the, at the, uh, the Las Vegas show. I loved, I like doing that too. Uh, yeah. I like meeting the people and, and, and I always, like I said, you get me started talking and I won't shut up and I gotta, I gotta, oh, there's like the line was forming. I go talk to these people too. So yeah. One of our first live streams that we did was at Vegas. Uh, you had just unveiled the the Sturmgeschütz, and uh, I walked over, and you, right on camera, right there, just kind of went through the kit and all the features of it and everything. I do remember and that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and we and we had thousands and thousands of of hits on that live stream. I mean, we, you know, at the time we were just kind of getting started out, and, and I mean, the response was incredible. And what came across in in when you were showing the kit was obviously the kit was beautiful, but it was more, I think, you're in enthusiasm you know it just right. it's in, it's infectious well and that's my that's my favorite german piece of armor and mm-hmm. i just couldn't believe why that was such a well now now there's a million companies that have made it <laughs> 35th scale but at the time there was only a couple that the tamiya kit which is good but it's an early 90s kit yeah and yeah i was like oh boy i'm so well i'm like a little kid i'm like so excited about this so and that's what people always come you always get so excited about that and i go yeah, I'm excited about this. Is I like doing this. It's fun. It's cool. It's yeah, fun. Absolutely. But um, yeah, and it's it's a great way to promote the hobby. Th- that's that that's in the name of the game here. We want this hobby to keep surviving on, and mm-hmm. and it is. It's doing good. We're getting a lot of kids into the hobby now, mainly through Gundam. But mm-hmm. I noticed they start with Gundam and then they kind of progress into armor, aircraft, cars, or something else on it. And and that's back to what you're talking about how the the start on it. So. I wanted to do a uh, an online store because after all the comments are there, where can I get that? Where can I get that? Where can I get? I, I'd see it so many times and I'm like, I'm missing out on this. I've got to be able to show them how to be able to get that. And mm-hmm. at that same time, and that is uh, when I started talking to uh, Harold at MBK and he had a similar idea in mind and we put our heads together and, and came up with what it is right now. That's awesome. Going to your Phoenix store again, when I went in again, shotgun style, it's much more expanded now. Can you talk about, you have every genre model in there, correct? Yes. And when I did do the, the bigger store, um, it was, no, it, it, it turned out we did all the expansion and it opened up on November of uh, 2019. The same day, the AndysHHQ.com opened up and immediately what happens? The world goes into lockdown and I go, my, I just told my, I just made a giant mistake <laughs> making this store so bigger because <laughs> I had to literally shut down for six yeah. weeks. But uh, in retrospect, it turned out to be a very good thing. And yes, and I carry everything now. Um, uh, armor is my biggest thing. I have three rows of that. Airplanes, Gundam, uh, ships, cars. Uh, accessories. And then of course, what we don't have in there, the online picks up for because the online is five times the size of my store now. And we've got just warehouses full. And I do that. Um, I can't carry everything in there, but we'll put right. it into the online store for them. So some of my so, best customers live on the other side of Phoenix and they just order all the time from the online <laughs> store. That's awesome. Especially at the price of gas, you know, so. So quick question with the Phoenix or I'd, I'd love to hear if you could share like what genre is kind of your highest selling genre? Is it armor? I assume. Always been armor. Yeah. That's armor, awesome. Even in San Diego, my best customers were Navy guys and they all built armor. 
Nice. None of, at the time, none of them wanted to build a ship. I, I understand it. You're on one all day. I don't want to, <laughs> unless it was the ship you were on, you want to build, but armor has always been king and it's always been my favorite thing. I built everything in cars to a degree. If it's something really hot, um, airplanes, I love them, but I always mess up uh, canopies and things. So it, it's got to be a really good one <laughs> for me to want to do that. But yeah, everything, but armor is number one for me and dioramas. I, I'm really kind of on a diorama kick and I haven't done a video on that new big giant one, but I've been working on it because of the, and everyone watching, Oh my God, that thing's huge. What are you going to do with it? I go, I'm putting it in the warehouse because <laughs> that's the only place I have room for it right now. So yeah, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed when I visited your store was your weathering products, your paints, your diorama supplies. You've got a really great selection for your local customers. And uh, actually, some of your favorite videos um, of yours that that I watch over and over are those diorama videos. I really like those. Thank you. Yes, uh, there. That that's my favorite thing to do. If I could just sit around all day and build, I'd want to first do armor kits with it. But the diorama, I love that little bit of storytelling. I'm I get lost in it. It's like. Oh, I'm going to put this little bike over in this corner over in here. And why did that there? Because the guy was driving to work and he, he dropped it off. All the little stories that you invent in your mind. And, and that's, that's the same way I think most people like models. It's, it puts you in a, what it's like to be inside a tank, you know, yep. to, to imagine that or be inside the airplane. And it's, it's hearkening back to being a kid again, you know, yep. flying that little P51 around that, my grandmother's <laughs> house. And I'm like, yeah, that'd have been really cool for me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of the dioramas that sticks out to me that I loved, and it was one of your smaller ones, was the blown up T fifty five with the LEDs oh, and yes. the lights. Just so cool. Yes, and and the funny thing is that those lights, I was messing with that. That looks so much better on camera than in person because the light you it, it doesn't show off as well in person unless you turn off all the lights in the room. Ah, uh, yep. And then with that, but oh yeah, those are so cool. I go, I gotta make an explosion video, and yeah, I had a lot of fun doing and just trying to figure out how to do it. Because I looked yeah. at it and go, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm just going to keep throwing stuff together until it works. And it did. It was pretty cool. So I really yeah. like doing that one. And I think that's why your videos are so popular is because, you know, a lot of times, like you just said, it might be your first time and you're yes. showing, you're showing people like, Hey, my first time, this is how I'm doing it. We're going to learn together. And I think right. the water, you know, your water episode as well. I remember the one where first water going for it. And again, I think those are really important for modelers to watch. Well, and I'll let you guys in on a secret. I mess up every single time I build a kit. <laughs> I am not perfect. I mess up. The, my thing is I'm good at fixing it. <laughs> uh, I'll notice it and I'm like, oh, my God, I messed this up. And, <laughs> yep, uh, and I figure out a way to fix it. And that's that's what it is. It's all coming up with ideas. And uh, one perfect example was the Tamiya. I probably shouldn't say this. The Tamiya 109. They had sent me a test shot of that and I built it. And I thought for an airplane, not an airplane guy, I did a pretty good job on it. I knocked the canopy off and stepped on the canopy. And there's no way to get another one, just the middle part. I looked over and there's a Hasegawa canopy on that BF-109. <laughs> just the middle part, just a little piece of glass that I couldn't replace and I didn't want to leave it. And uh, yeah, so it's just like that. Like I said, I'm like, what am I going to do? There's, I'm not going to have another shot of this for another two months before the final ones come out. And they only had one to send me. And I went, okay. So <laughs> I had to put that little piece on there. And then eventually I did change it back when I finally did get the real kits. <laughs> it was just for the video. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> 
Andy, one of the things, and you're kind of hitting on it, I think it, I'd love to hear your opinion. I would think it's super exciting to be one of the first people in the world to build a model kit of a specific subject. Yeah, that, that is, that is a lot of fun. Um, it's like a kid in the candy shop or Christmas morning, however you want to relate that. But yes, it's to get something in the mail and go, Oh boy, this is cool. And, uh, <laughs> first of all, Fred, I, which you guys, I've heard your interview with yep. Fred. Fred is, is a rock star to me. He, mm-hmm. when my channel was virtually nothing, he, he sent me that very first Easy Eight Sherman. Mm. And yes, and it was, I was mind blown because I love the Sherman. Like, and mm-hmm. I'm building a kit that like three other people probably have seen in the world. <laughs> and I'm getting to build that right now. And yes, I, I talk to Fred occasionally and I, yeah, I can't thank him enough, but it is, it, it is kind of surreal when you're building it and, every, and everybody comes in to the store. And if it, if it's a top secret kit, it doesn't go to the store right away. Mm-hmm. But uh, if it's a regular kit, I'm like, Hey, look, look at this. Check this out. Or look how this goes together. This is just out of the world. And that's what's happening right now. So I'm sitting on the por- corner of my thing, building my kit who, uh, <laughs> and everyone's looking at it and to see it in person is it'll blow you away. It's, I've got a little diorama set up. You guys may have seen that little brick diorama that yeah. um, I did in 16. I built that with every intention in mind of building it for the Sherman. I already had known that I already signed the contracts on the Sherman that was coming. So I'm like, well, I can't say it yet, but I'm going to put a stug on it. But now the two test shots of the four by four utility view and the Sherman both sit on that. And everyone just goes, wow, that is so incredible looking and the figures and just, just wonderful looking. And back to mention too about making mistakes. I mean, a perfect example is that diorama. Um, good thing nobody was in the store at the time because I was holding that main building and I'm like, what's am I? And then boom, <laughs> I dropped the entire, I mean, it's a third of that diorama just, just exploded in the middle of my floor. <laughs> I actually started laughing because I was like, I can't believe I just did that. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get another one because it's coming from Germany and they were kind enough to get me another one. And now I have all those parts because I have another diorama that I'm going to build. And those parts are all going to be the broken debris. <laughs> so they are going to get used. So anyone out there building and you make a mistake, it's not just you. Everybody does it. I do it constantly. <laughs> so. For sure. You know, one of the things as we talk about the Phoenix store, the evolution growing bigger, can you talk about like, what was that switch to, to bring the warehouse on? It's actually incredible seeing the videos that you post from there. It's, it's actually really impressive how fast you've grown. What time frame did that happen when you spun up the warehouse uh, in Phoenix? The, the new one, uh, that happened in uh, April of last year. Okay. Uh, we, uh, I play a, a much bigger hands-on role um, and we knew we needed to expand because it's, it's growing at such a pace and we needed to bring more product in. And now that's why we bring full containers in of yeah. stuff to get it. So, and, and it's closer to me. I mean, it's, uh, it started off up north, but now it's 20 minutes from my house. So, oh, nice. I, and I'm down there every single morning and I'm a hands on person too. So when those containers come in there, I'm sweating my rear end off, unloading <laughs> that 40 foot container with the rest of the crew. I don't, I don't just sit back on the office and go, yeah, take care of that guy. I'm out there and, uh, and doing all that stuff. And yeah. And it was, it was necessary. It was perfect timing. I wanted to play a bigger hands on role. Many of you may know, um, Harold at MBK is my, my partner in the online store. And mm-hmm. yes, he's turned that over to me. And I said, I'm, I can take care of that over here. And that's why we wanted to grow it. That's awesome. I think it's important to highlight too, you've mentioned some key people, your wife and your son. It seems like a very 
family-run operation. Yes. Uh, my son did a lot of my artwork um, yeah. in the beginning, and he actually did all the lettering on my box art. Now, Jason did oh. the actual artwork, but yeah. everything else, my son Cameron did all of that work. That's there. cool. Yeah. He taught himself how to do Photoshop and all that stuff, and he does all of that work. And yes, my wife also plays a, a, an integral role in everything as well. So so who are the uh, Keebler elves that uh, help shoot your videos and edit and produce? You're looking at all of them right here. I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades and a master of very few, but um, I do all my own editing. <laughs> a so, man of many so, talents. Yeah. My son taught me, he self-taught himself and he knows what he's doing a lot. He's a, a film, he was a film student at the time and he taught me how the basics of Premiere Pro and that's it. I do all my own video and I do all of it in between customers in the store. I don't do anything after hours. I People are people are in there. I won't film in front of them because I always get too nervous. Like <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sweating right now, even talking to you guys. I'm not even here, but it, I like the camera by myself in there and I'm like, I, I feel a little bit more comfortable with that. Although in the beginning, I was even nervous was talking to a camera I'm like, talking to a camera by myself but and you also notice too, if you ever watch the beginning of a video if my eyes kind of go off to the side someone pulled up <laughs> if i'm filming an intro and it's like oh okay someone's pulling up i gotta i gotta wrap this up yes awesome. i do it all myself and crudely sometimes I, i'm getting better about not putting my hand in front of the camera as much but uh, it still happens from time to time Speaking about YouTube, what are the most popular videos that you find? You've, you've done so many. What are ones that really hit? It's kind of funny. The, the, the big videos are all over the place. Um, hmm. my, I think the biggest video I have is me building a Tamiya motorcycle, something that I would have never thought I would ever build, but it was such a cool kit and it was an early sample. And I went, Oh, I, I got to build this. And diorama videos always do well. They over the long run, they always keep doing a lot, a lot of hits and then armor overall and a mm -hmm. little bit of everything. The, the joy of modeling too, when I kind of just showed all my, my kits at the time, that one does a lot too. So people want to, people want to just look at the pretty pictures, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm like that. I, I read all those, those ammo by Meg books that we get into our warehouse and well, I shouldn't say read. I look at all the pretty pictures. <laughs> I don't read the articles. <laughs> I go, Oh man, that, that gives me an idea. Cause I have like 50 different ideas going on in my head at any one time. And it's just getting them all onto the, uh, the modeling bench sometimes. So you've, you know, you've grown the store, you moved to Phoenix, you've tripled in size, you've got this partnership with MBK, you have a huge following on Facebook and YouTube. So Andy, what's next? Well, um, I have a, a, a few irons in the fire right now. Um, yeah, there's, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I, I like where I am right now, to be honest with you. I have a few irons in the fire and, and things I'm discussing with, uh, but I am, I am thrilled right exactly where I am. My kit's coming out. I, I still can't believe that. I mean, <laughs> the day I get that first kit, well, the very first prototype is going in my museum. That's why it's not getting painted. The very first one I built is go, and I say museum, it's my personal museum. It's going to be whether my wife wants it or not, it's going in the house somewhere. <laughs> and then when I finally get my real kit and I, I see, you know, with all the markings, all the things on it, and I'm going to build it up. Yeah. Those. That's what just keeps me going right there. So, you know, that John, that would be pretty incredible to look in your stash and see John Banani kit. You know, I mean, <laughs> I can understand I Andy's, Andy's enthusiasm. You know, that's yeah, pretty cool. I have, I took my box art and I had it blown up to a 24 by 36 and it's hanging in my store wall right now. And nice. I still look at it and people come in and they go, wow, that kit is gorgeous because it's sitting right out in front. And they go, mm -hmm. who's this? And I go, I get to say, that's mine. They go, what do you mean? <laughs> 
I go, no, it's mine. I go, I, I'm doing that kit. And they go, really? And I went, yeah, I know. I go, I can't believe it sometimes too, but yes, I really am doing that. So man, it's, it's incredible. You're, I mean, it's immortalized. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. That's, yes, that's, and, uh, that's, that's what that's I tell peak. my wife too. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, I go, you are on, ev- you're going to be on every one of these Sherman kits, whether they use it or not, you're in the instructions and you're on the decal sheet and you'll live on in the video for, <laughs> of, of the, of the, uh, the actual kit. That Cause is- I am going to do a build video when it finally does come out. I want to show everybody everything, but for the test shots, it's, it's, it's me fussing around and stuff. Not, not good video entertainment. So, yeah. So when you get those test shots, you don't have any instructions as well. So you're kind of, you know, going off your knowledge of the easy eight. I do have very crude instructions on this. Okay. When I received the Stug, I had zero instructions and Uh. I was building the rear idler and I kind of know what I'm talking, doing when I do that. And I, I could not figure out how this part went together. I finally went over to a rye field kit and opened it up (laughs) and I went, Oh, I get it now. Excuse me, not right field, attack on kit. And I, it was one stupid little part, how it connected to the inside and the other, but I could not, I'm racking my brain and I, I was like, how does this? Oh, there it goes. And I had very rudimentary instructions for the Sherman, but it was enough that I could, uh, I could get it together. So there are no sprue numbers. There are no, our sprue letters. There are no sprue numbers anywhere. So that I'm like, what is this? Okay. I guess is what it is. And, but yeah, it's, it's fun doing that. More fun when you have real instructions though. So for the Sherman example, how long did it take you to build? Uh, I kind of, I probably took me now. I'm very, very fast builder, even with interruptions. I took me about two days to build. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I just, just test fitting. And to me, a soup, extra thin cement dries very, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, you put two parts together. I'm already got the <laughs> third part lined up, ready to go on it there. So, and then I built some more tracks and uh, that's true. I only built one half of the track. So the other half hasn't been done yet, but I, I just like playing with it. It's so much fun. And it was very kind of uh, the owner of Tacom to build up that first prototype for me because that was why I was able to get the uh, the video out on the day I received it because it would have been another two or three days later for me to get it out. Oh, well, everybody's at IPMS. It'll pro- hopefully get talked about. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was wonderful. So I realize it is, it's just an estimate, but you, you've kind of mentioned September for the uh, for the Jeep, uh, what, what's your best guess as as far as when these Easy Eights are going to hit hit uh, your store and your distribution? The the Easy Eight should be here by the beginning of November. Um, that's I would say I'm about a 99% shot that it's going to hit right there outside of something weird happening in the world. But yeah, we're, they're, they're really progressing right along. I just posted on my, my Facebook uh, page, the actual box. They, they sent me like the, you know, the flattened version of it right there for my approval. Uh, I put that all out. So that's ready to go. That's going to the printer soon. They are doing all of the final work on it. So we hope that it'll be done by the beginning of September and then it'll be boxed and loaded and here by November. Oh, that's so exciting. Awesome. And so uh, for those folks that haven't done so yet, and somebody's listening to this, how do how are they going to go ahead and pre-order these two kits from you? Uh, you can go on our website, andyshq.com, and um, they you can order it right up there and you get put into the queue. Uh, we get them right in and our crew, I, I do have to take a, a second just to thank them. They are a top-notch crew when they do stuff. I want to, I want to make it that when someone orders from me online, I want it to feel like they're coming into my store and have that personal touch. We hand wrap everything with blue paper that comes out to you within reason. If something's crazy large, we can't do it, but uh, hand wrap everything in blue paper. We take the time to do that. We're very, very careful. 
everyone gets a thank you note inside because I truly, truly thank everyone that, hey, you, there's a lot of place you can go, but I appreciate that you came and, and came to my, my website. And that means a lot to me. And we truly do. I appreciate all my customers. They come in and love talking to them, um, emails, all that kind of stuff. And I want, it's a, it's a, you know, a family. I want them. I, I approach YouTube and all that stuff. Just like John, if you walk into my store, like we did, we talk. And if you and I are talking, I want that person on YouTube to feel the same way that I'm talking as a friend that, Hey, Hey, you want to see something really cool? Take a look at this. And it, that's, that's what it, I love to uh, do. And I get a lot of emails and I truly try to respond to as many as possible too. <laughs> it gets a lot sometimes, but, uh, yeah, it's, I love, I love communicating with, uh, with everybody that comes in. And if you want to talk models, I'll talk models with you too. I'm blue in the face. So not the color of my shirt. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you, you nailed it right there. And especially from the, you know, the online sales, I think it is a difficult thing to connect with customers and little things like, wrapping the kit in the blue paper, giving them a thank you note. It really shows your brand in all aspects of it, you know, in person, online, YouTube. And, and again, it's, it, it was mini Christmas when I got the stug from you. I got it right after the new year's, open the box, unwrapping the blue, have the thank you note. Like it's, it's that positive experience that I think what makes you who you are. And it's something that we will always remember when we think of Andy's HHQ. Oh, I appreciate that. And, and that's, that's, that's the thing we're shooting for. Yeah. Some of the videos I love the most are of your warehouse and just the amount of stuff you have there and the amount of work it probably takes to manage all that is, is certainly not lost on me. And, and I, I love seeing the pallets come in. I remember you showed the, the videos of all the Dosberg Stug threes and I was like, Oh my gosh, that yep. is a lot of kids to manage. So it, it, it is a lot. And I, I climbed to the top of the Stug Mountain for, <laughs> I go, I hope these hold me. Uh, I need to lose a little weight, but I think yeah, they're pretty strong. So yeah, it's, we get a lot, a lot of stuff through that, uh, through that little, that little warehouse and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Just another piece of uh, experience. So when we think about Andy in the wild, Andy in public, you know, you've done the Nats before, you've done Summerfest, you have your show. Are there any events maybe in 2022, 2023 that you're considering to go to? Yes. I, I hope to do uh, IPMS Nationals uh, in uh, San Marcos next year. That That's a, a great possibility. And I would I would actually be going to the, the Las Vegas show coming up. I'm actually going to be doing Summerfest again in three weeks. So awesome. I'm going, I'm going over to Germany for a few weeks and I'm going to do that show over there. But I'd like to do as much as I can. It's just always so difficult to get away from the shop. And yeah, uh, but nationals is, is, looks like it's, it's a great possibility to do that. That'd be fantastic. Would you be a vendor there or just kind of showing up and getting to know everyone? Vending? Yeah. We, we've talked about that. It's, it might be just close enough that we could do the vending as well. It's yeah. still kind of early in advance, but if nothing else, just to go and do the meet and greets and just go meet everybody. And Awesome. Well, if you don't have a vendor table, there's a chair at the <laughs> Triple P booth. You can stop by whenever you want. Absolutely. And no, I'd love to. You know, Andy, we, we definitely want to thank you for your time. We're coming up on an hour. I think this has been fantastic. I've learned so much about you, the business, and, and just, you know, the, the positivity around you. And, and I think it's really important to, to share that with, with our listeners. Cause I know certainly a lot of them in order from you and they'll be ordering again. And 
I cannot wait to get the Easy Eight because I will build it as soon as I get it. You can rest assured. You and me both. And, uh, <laughs> and if 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 I get to go next year, there will be a surprise reveal probably too. Oh, I'm going to say about that. Oh. <laughs> man, this man knows how to do a tease. Oh man, oh. if you know was, if you know the things I know about what's coming out in the near future. <laughs> no, oh. listen, but yes, I would like to do a surprise reveal uh, next year at that show as well. So wonderful. Well, Andy, I'm actually on the team that's organizing the show, so we'll definitely be in touch. Oh, please. we will make any accommodation you need to, you know, location, timing. We will work together to make sure that you know you're well taken care of and and everything goes great. Well, I appreciate that. I, I I love to meet all the people and that's that's the best part about the show. Is 100%. That, yep. In fact, this this week alone, I've had three people from the Netherlands come into my store today to come and meet me in there. And I went, what are the odds? Three people from the <laughs> Netherlands in a matter of five days. And I said, well, I'm coming over there um, next month. You guys got to come over it. And they go, you are? Oh, we're, we're coming over there. We're not that far from there. <laughs> Summerfest. So yeah, it, it's so wonderful to, like I said, I, I love it. I like meeting everybody and, and talking to them about things man Uh, this is this has been great you can you can just hear the enthusiasm and excitement (laughs) in your voice it's really catching well well andy the 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 posse continues to be a big fan we're all armor builders these these new kits in 116 scale we're we're loving them we're eating them up let's uh let's just do uh before we get ready to go here let's go through your social media channels where people can watch your videos interact with you and then also maybe one more plug for your website before we let you go. Well, everything's real easy. Everything is Andy Savi headquarters. I'm I'm on TikTok now. I'm on Instagram <laughs> now. I'm on uh, Facebook now. Facebook is is different. I have Andy Savi headquarters, which is my regular site, but we also I mine is the Mediocre Modelers Club. So mm-hmm. you can go on there, and that's a great way for everybody to share their work with you know what's happening. Oh, I also own the Andy Savi headquarters um, armor builders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's too, that one's growing like crazy actually right now. And then of course the website is andyshq.com in the United States and andyshq.eu for our e, for our European Union and actually worldwide store is on there. Awesome. Well, continued success. Thank you for well, thank you both, gentlemen. What? And I, I will definitely, if you guys would have me back, I would love to come back in the future too and share more projects with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, may, maybe when that Sherman arrives, we'd love to, have, you know, we'd love to do a special on it for you to talk about the Absolutely. production kit. Yeah. I can, uh, hopefully a month or so, I should have the final one. So that would be wonderful. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Anytime you reach out to me, I'm more than happy. You know, I love the talks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And, I, what you, and I, I'm glad we got to do this. I've wanted to do this for so long. It's just timing. It's oh yeah. Um, YouTube's a full time job. Andy Savi headquarters is a full time <laughs> job, and then the warehouse is a full time job. So you've got a couple, and you do your own editing too. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the fun part. I can I can get to a point. Where I can remove a word because I, as much as I like to talk, I mess up all the time too. So. <laughs> and then I'm like pretty good that I can fix it. Awesome. Well, well thanks what you for what you do for the hobby community. Keep doing it. Keep staying positive we love it and uh hopefully we'll talk uh, sooner rather than later absolutely i appreciate it guys thank you so much for having me on thank you all right Man, that was a great interview with Andy. I mean, it, you know, you talk to that guy and it, it, his voice, the 
excitement in his voice for bringing his own model kit to, you know, to the market and just the love that he has for modeling, you know, um, his commitment to just keeping it fun. It, it was awesome. And, and John, I don't know about you, but I just, I was on a, I was on a high for about three days after talking to Andy. Oh yeah, it was certainly fun. Andy is is who he is. You know, for for everyone that watches his videos, there's nothing different between his joyous approach to the hobby in public and in private. I thought the conversation could have went for days, honestly. And he's such a great ambassador to the hobby and a champion for the hobby as well, I should say. And we are super grateful for his time. We're also super grateful he just dropped a video giving an update on his channel, and we're fortunate enough to be mentioned in that. So if you're if you're from that video and you came over to listen to us and you're a new listener, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Andy is a is a force for good in the hobby and we are just again beyond thankful that he took the time to speak to the plastic posse and and now he's a member of the posse I feel. So we're going to send him a few uh a few swag items that maybe he can uh, you know carry with him and show other people the love for and the hobby. I, absolutely and I cannot wait for my long 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 awaited 116th scale <laughs> Jeep and also the uh, M4A3 EZ8. Unbelievable value if you guys haven't pre-ordered those you can get all the details in the interview, so make sure you uh, get those on pre-order. All right, uh, well, let's uh, kick the microphone over to the one and only Doug. Doug, how are we looking as far as uh, feedback? Well, we got a lot of feedback. I'm going to uh, touch on a few. A few of them actually reached out and talked to us about our um, Machine and Krieger group build. So uh, let me let me mention that. Um, Mark, previous seat, he uh, he talked about this. He said he saw the Facebook post from Flackman in the Mach-A group build, and he bought a Mach-A figure off of eBay, and he was good-natured about it. He said he got to thinking about the fact that a lot of people don't have the knowledge, like, what is what is Mach-A? What is it? They, they just don't know, or where to find it. And so he recommended that we... Uh, that we help people all over the world, wherever you're at, find places where they can acquire the Machine and Krieger kits. Um, he mentioned places like Hobby Link Japan, um, but it doesn't work for everybody. Um, he said he can give some ideas of places in the UK. Link might know places in Australia. We know places in the United States. And if we all, as a group, uh, could pool our knowledge, it might help more people get involved. And if any of you really want to know more about the Mock Group, go ahead and go on over to Facebook and join up. And uh, you'll hear all kinds of stuff and you'll get a lot of information. And you can ask any questions you have. So anyway, um, that was from our friend Mark. Just to add to that, talking about Mock where to find it, Mac, I will throw out Hobby Link Japan just, get, just got the new Melusine release probably butchered the name of it, the Mel. Uh, I believe we all bought one. It's the 40th yep. anniversary edition, you know, shipped to your front door is not bad. I would highly recommend that. And then Screw Brothers for the folks in the United States also have a limited collection of Mac kits. And I believe Sprue Brothers has a 15% sale off this weekend on Hesekawa Kitsch, which is there's a lot of Maki from Hesekawa. So there you go. So you can, if you can find one, get it for 15% off. Yeah. And then as Doug said, Drop a message in the group and we can help you personally. And then um, I know he's not with us tonight, but elite, but I believe our good friend TJ may have a, a, some upcoming content related to that in an episode uh, coming soon. So uh, tune in and uh, learn more. Here's something I'd like to mention about Maque. Um, our friend Rick Cooper shared a, uh, just today, the day of this recording, uh, his, uh, his little build. And he said, 
He's pretty sure he screwed it up. This is one of the fun things about Ma Kay. I just don't think you can screw up Ma Kay. There, it, it's such an open forum. It's you can do anything you want with it, and you you make it your your own. And people are 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 all down to see what you're doing. That's different and fun. So don't be afraid to do your own thing. You, you think you can't screw it up. No, exactly, Doug. And, you know, it's it's such a fun subject. And, you know, you have guys out there like TJ. You have Link out there who's a good friend of the show who does – he's got his own site and he's got his own stuff going on too. And he can tell you exactly where – actually, he's done videos on YouTube about where to buy stuff, uh, Mach-A products around the world. And But, you know, you can't mess it up. It's fun. It's a great subject. No one can tell you you, you painted it wrong. Nobody can tell you you didn't do it right because you can't. And so it's just fantastic. Yeah, you will enjoy it. All right. Um, we got a nice letter from our friend Andy Taylor, whom we spent a lot of time with in Omaha. He uh, listened to episode 50. He was blown away that we mentioned him. Of course we mentioned you got buddy, you were a, just a blast to have around. Um, he's looking forward to Sam, San Marcos. He, uh, he challenges a lot of people to make that track. All you have to do is listen to this show. And uh, I guess we're inspiring somehow. One thing that, that you're going to get from listening to all of these podcasts that Andy, Andy points out is that there's a lot of camaraderie and these, these shows and these model contests and Nats all just kind of help to highlight the great things about our hobby. He's really excited about the machine and Krieger build. He's looking forward to getting out of his comfort zone. And, uh, he actually talked about a clean slate build, which we will talk about a little later. He's building two 172nd scale A10s. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing those. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. And finally, I'm going to talk about something that uh, our friend Craig Everson from Australia, he uh, he sent us this wonderful thing on our Facebook page. He just he says, I just wanted to let you guys know how much I am inspired by all of you in the posse and wanted to tell you that you guys helped me through a very tough time with anxiety and depression over the last two years. I love seeing your great builds that you post. And I was wondering if you guys were going to bring back the social media shout outs as I found that a great source of inspiration as well. Anyway, keep up the great work with all you do. Looking forward to hearing the next episode. Stay safe and keep inspiring people. Thank you so much, Craig. And as far as social media shout outs, I think JB has something for us. Yeah. So the way we're going to do social media shout outs going forward, for a little while. Each one of us will have an episode and we'll put up, you know, a couple that we found inspiring. And this week I have three and they're all from different mediums. The first I'm going to mention is Sprue Pie with Frets. Stephen Lee is a good friend that I had dinner with this week and I definitely want to plug his blog. He takes an interesting approach to communicating the hobby and he has some really thought-provoking articles that I think are pretty well written and I would recommend who's, you know, for those of you interested to think a little bit deeper about the hobby, go over and check out his blog. The next place I'd love to plug is artisan underscore tanks on Instagram. It's by a gentleman named Gary Matthews. He has fantastic work. He's been posting about his Corsair right now that is really weathered and there's a really nice patina on it with faded paint. So definitely check him out. He's got airplanes, armor, and a few other very interesting subjects. So check him out on Instagram. And then lastly, it's a smaller channel. It's called Mushyans, M-O-S-H-I- Y-A-N apostrophe S hobby scale model research. And I believe this is an international gentleman and it goes through, it's really focused on armor modeling, but what I love about his videos, they're very straightforward. They focus on finishing, but his style is very, very interesting. And the way he plays with colors, the vibrancy, and just they're they're very well produced models, uh, you know, in the end and same with the production of the quality of the video. So check him out on YouTube. So Mushyan hobby scale model research. 
Before we move on, um, can, can I just recognize uh, Craig for reaching out? First of all, I want to recognize that we continue to have listeners that are willing to kind of talk about that they struggle a little bit. And and for everybody out there, we all struggle and it's okay. And uh, man, if you if you have the, you know, the guts to talk about it, I just, it, I think it helps so many other people. So Craig, thank you very, very much for reaching out to us. And thanks for the great suggestion on social media shout outs. I think, you know, JB bringing those back, that that uh, feels really, really great. And uh, we'll continue to do that. So anyway, guys, I just I just wanted to recognize Craig for reaching out to us. I, I yes. feel the same way, Craig. That was a that was a gutsy thing to do. I know a lot of people are in your same boat. Um, I think all of us have been there at one time or another, but we do get a lot of messages. Yours was a little more public being right on our page. That's why we shared it. But we do see a lot of people that come to us that are sharing very similar sentiments. And so, yeah, we do really appreciate it. Nice job, Greg. We really, really appreciate it, man. So now that the 2022 Nationals are behind us and the dust is settling, let's talk more about modeling. Today, I would like to bring up two different topics for discussion. The first topic is clean slate builds. You've heard us mention that several times in this thing. And the second one is another idea that came from JB and TJ. It's called 5%. So what is a clean slate build? Well, a clean slate build, in my opinion, and I'll have my friends here step in also, is a clean slate build is basically you get after a big show like Nationals or any show, and you've been working hard to get stuff ready for it. You just take one model and build it. No, you just get it done. You have a, you just get it, clean your plates off, clean your slates off, and start all over again. And that's me what a clean slate build is. I love clean slate builds. They're, they're a great uh, palette cleanser, I guess you would call it. And they're fun. And I usually pick something that I never, you know, something different for myself. Um, when I do a clean slate build, sometimes I actually, you know, sometimes I'll do a car or, you know, a different kind of figure or a larger figure or something to that effect, just to clean myself out and get the, you know, the, the cobwebs going, you know, out of the system after the shows and everything. And it's been fun. What do you guys think? I would agree, Grant. You know, for me, a clean slate build is, is, is putting the refresh button on full power. So, you know, for instance, my clean slate build, I'm sitting here. I have a couple projects going on, was a little bogged down after nationals. I could have prodded along and tried to get a few things that were close to primer done. But on a Friday afternoon, I'm sitting at my bench. It's a disaster. And I'm like, you know what? It's time for a clean slate build. So I actually literally took my hand. I moved everything on the bench. If it was part of the kit, I literally put the box on the edge, just ran my hand across the bench. Everything fell into the box. (laughs) And then it was like, all right, now it's time to go to work. And I looked to my left and what did I see? I saw Tamiya's brand new KV2. So I grabbed that and immediately went to work. I threw up a stream yard with some of our friends and immediately started clipping pieces. Started at three o'clock in the afternoon. I had that SOB built and ready for primer by the evening. So that to me is a clean slate build where something you can take extremely fast from nothing to something and have a sense of accomplishment leaving that bench that's greater than what you typically feel. So whether it's getting through a technique, going through a certain part of construction, that's great. And that is a sense of an accomplishment. But the clean slate build for me, the way I look at it, it's a combination of a slammer build and then a fresh build. And it's getting through it quick, fast, which are the same word, surprisingly, and and, and and showing some, uh, you know, showing rapid progress, and, and again gives you a good sense of an accomplishment. 
Yeah, I agree. I think Tamaya kits are perfect for that too, in, in my opinion, because they just you need know, to fall together. You get that, you know, get that in that rhythm, John or JB, and you just get that pop, 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 and everything goes together. And that KV too. I mean, you showed pictures after three hours. I'm like, wow. I mean, it's like, you know, 50% done. And I was like, that was amazing. You know, I'm a lot like John. I came back from Nats with a big plan. You know, it's like, okay, I've got all these kits on the in in process shelf and I'm going to get, you know, get a bunch of these across the finish line. But I was inspired by, you know, several builds, John's KV2, of course. But um, I want to call out uh, TJ uh, building his first aircraft, built one of those little Armahabi yaks. And so did our buddy uh, Ian Bonner over at iBones Models. He built one as well. Uh, they both went outside their comfort zone and, and slammed these guys out. And, and that really inspired me. So I kind of moved all the, like <laughs> like JB said, I kind of moved all the stuff off the bench. I g- grabbed a, a Bandai Y-Wing and uh, been wanting to build one for a long, long time and just tore into it. And uh, I've got it all completed. I've got a base um, partially done for it. I've got kind of a, a display piece plan, but it's all built. It's all primed. It's ready to go into the paint shop this weekend. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a really great strategy um, when you're, you know, you're dealing with a bunch of things that have to be done. Sometimes it's just good to just take a great big old deep breath, big old sigh and just move on to something fresh. Yeah. When I when I got home from Nats, I did actually finish one kit that was in process and that was the it was a Bandai kit. It's that uh, Cosmo Zero from Space Battleship Yamato. Just a kind of a cool design, a little obscure to most people. Most people have never seen that anime, but if you, if you're interested, give it a try. It's, it's really cool. But for my actual clean slate build, starting from scratch, I was kind of inspired by TJ. Um, I went and grabbed my Armahabi Mustang three that I picked up at Nats. And when I looked at that kit, I said, you know what? This is a little bit nicer than what I, I want to take a little more time on this. Um, because it's a Mustang three, those, those, RAF Mustangs are just gorgeous. Um, so I pulled out my accurate miniatures 48 scale Yak one and, um, I've got it just about ready for paint. The wings need to be uh, assembled. The fuselage is assembled and sanded and ready to go. So there I am. I'm ready to paint an airplane. Yeah. I, I feel the same way, Doug. I, I was actually kind of, I haven't got me going on it. I mean, to tell you the truth that I put, I grabbed a, to my R35. Uh, the little French tank, um, and found an FC models conversion to make it a Yugoslavian tank. So that's all done. It's sitting on my desk right now, getting ready for paint tomorrow. Fantastic little model. Great, great thing to do. And the FC, the FC 3D printed, uh, mantle and gun are just beautiful. They fit the thing perfectly. Little here's and there's, and it's just, it's ready to go. And, and, and I'm, I feel refreshed and ready to begin, you know, start thinking about stuff I need to do for, you know, 2023. It's, it's great. I really like clean slate builds and they, they, like I said, they're like a palate cleanser in a way. They just, you know, it's a refreshing thing. Like, you know, like a slammer build, like JB said, they're just fun. And, you know, you get them out of the way and you get, you know, you swipe everything off your desk and there you go. And you just start going at it and you build like you did when you were like eight or nine, you know, just have that one kit in front of you and you just build. And that's sometimes that's just the best thing for every, everything about the hobby. Yeah, I was actually having this same conversation with Mike Basquette over at the Moj. You know, he uh, just wrapped up a project for him that was uh, kind of a lengthy build uh, that he took to Nats. Uh, really, really nice. 
And uh, he was going to start a build that was going to be, you know, pretty in-depth. And I made the kind of the same statement to him, you know, why don't you try something before you dive into another really lengthy build? Why don't you, you know, dive into something that's really going to get the gears greased up and, you know, lubed up. And and uh, yeah, so I, I think he's doing that. So yeah, it, it's interesting. It's a, it's a cool concept and one that I haven't thought about recently, but yeah, uh, John and all you guys are really inspirational and, and uh, it works. So, yeah, and I think it's important with at least when I approach a clean slate build, I take a lot of shortcuts as well because I treat it very much like a slammer. Where on the KV2, I had all the tracks and the in the wheels attached. The only thing that I didn't attach were the outer road wheels, but I was able to fly through painting and really push the limits on what's possible. You know, when the thing's almost all together, so priming it, and then that's when I made it the hull after I primed it. So to get to the tracks in the back to put pigments on, I did what I can from the outside and you know through photographs and looking up close, you can't really tell that much. So you learn a lot too, I think, when you do that. And you also learn when you're using different materials and timing. So again, with a clean slate build for me, trying to rip through it as fast as you can. I was painting in the morning. So I primed in the morning, painted the olive green in the morning. I sealed it with some uh, Gunzi Sanyo, Mr. Color satin. Now I let it sit for a couple hours while I went out and ran some errands. And I was back and did one layer of weathering with oils. The next morning, woke up and did it all again, uh, just to finish it off from a dusting perspective. So, you know, there's, you learn a lot and you also just test, uh, you know, you just, you just test your ability to push through things. And I think that's the important thing is when you do a clean slate build, you always got to have a clean mind and you just keep going, get to the finish line. And even if it isn't great, like I see errors on the KV, I see some areas that, I could touch up later, which I think I will, but you know, the, the whole goal is to have something accomplished, uh, you know, from a clean slate and being able to focus a hundred percent on that and moving through it, learning a little bit and then jumping into the next project. Well, and you, John, you resisted the urge to throw any bling at it. You used the kit tracks and you even used the barrel, which was a two piece, uh, plastic barrel and didn't opt for a metal barrel on that build either. Yeah, so it is qualified for BKB, ladies and gentlemen. I won't have to tear any photo edge parts off of it. So I'm <laughs> very, very, I w- we won't have to pull a, an Aaron Cook on that one. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to keep it simple. I think the other thing is I just couldn't find some of the aftermarket for it, especially the barrel. It's kind of hard to find, but you know, it was, it was great. And I would recommend that kit to anyone new to me at KV2. Go buy it. I got a question for you real quick, JB. Was your Stug also, you know, a clean slate build or did you start that one before? The Stug your, 3, the big boy? Yeah. No, no, no. The, uh, the, the battle of, uh, the Ardent defense of Ursats. Ursats. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, uh, that was another clean slate build. So that was my first clean slate build and I kind of got bogged down a little bit with it. And I finished construction actually after I built the KV2, but got home from that, started working on that. And that was, I worked on that at the beginning of the week. When it came to Friday, I was like, gosh, I don't want to go through the full <laughs> tracks. I don't want to do, I don't want to scratch this new armor for it. And I, again, looked to my left. I'm like, oh, there's the KV2. So <laughs> I, again, plopped everything in a box and opened that up. Now, that said, after I finished the KV2 Sunday night, I quickly went back to the Stug and got it to uh, nearly primer as well. So it's it's ready to go. I don't know if I'm going to do it. 
uh, right away because I have a panther here sitting that I have a special project for that I'm, I'm trying to get completed in September. But yeah, Grant, that was another clean slate build. That was my first, went to the back burner. And now, uh, you know, getting it to primer was a big accomplishment. And I kind of like it naked because it's got all the different styrenes, the 3D printed stuff, the frules. So I think it'll sit there bare for a little while. And then when I find the urge to really want to paint something, I'll probably grab it and just go for it. Well, that's cool because it really looks nice. I really like the armor with the, the sheet styrene instead. Thanks. And it's really looking good. You know, for that kit, I'll just say it one more time. You know, it's a great kit by Tacom, Tacom Urshats M7. The the plating that comes with it, I felt was a little thick. So if anyone's out there and wants to build an Urshats M7 and doesn't have the Tacom kit, shoot us a message. I'll send you the plates. I kept the side the side plates and the rear engine deck, both variants of it. So, and I have an extra Salkoff mandolin. So literally, if you have a Stug 3G kit and you want to make an M7, reach out to me, the posse, and I will gladly throw them in a mailer and you can have them and you can build your own M7. I- I'm the kind of same way. I've got an idea for a project. I want to do a big project. The, the idea of the clean slate has helped me so much get ready for that project. And, you know, as we talk about clean slates are, you know, they're good to help you pre- uh, prep. But now I've got, I got a big project I want to do for next year. And uh, it's basically four kits that I need to cut into one. And I'm really looking forward to it. But I wasn't ready, but I'm getting ready now by doing clean slate builds and just, you know, and just attacking little things and doing stuff like that. And it's been fun. Clean slate builds are, you know, a very big positive. If you're doing a clean slate build yourself, you know, you know, make sure you hashtag it, clean slate, put it on our website. You know, we want to see it. We all want to look at them and they're great. And like TJ says, you know, put a hashtag on it because hashtags are cool. Yeah, Grant, thanks for leading that part of the discussion. Really think it's interesting. I would love to see our listeners clean slate builds too. So please, as Grant mentioned, post on our Facebook page and we'll certainly talk about them on the pod. The second topic we'd love to cover tonight is what is the last 5%? You know, it's it's interesting. You'll see a lot of posts online where someone's like, I'm super close to ending. This is like my 95% build. And, you know, it's so close to 100%, but they post it anyway. And I think it's really important we discuss that. I think the 95% mark is probably one of the most important moments in the build from my perspective. And I think it's really important to share it at that point too, because it's kind of like the last threshold before finishing it. And you can make minor tweaks at that moment that can really reflect throughout the build and ultimately when the build is finished. So with that, I'm going to kick it over to Scott, but I'll really pose some questions during this uh, you know, discussion around what stops us from finishing it. Because sometimes people get to that 95%, me included, and you kind of stop. You don't push it that last 5%. And it might be just you're content or you might be blocked. And posting online, I think, can help out a lot with that. And then you know, it's discussing why do we stop at that point? And then how do you conquer that last 5%? What, what pushes you over the edge? Is it adding that stowage, tackling the dust, doing those wet effects? Like Those little moments at the end that make the major impact and make it your model, make it unique and tell that story. So, you know, with that, Scott, I'd love for you to share a moment where you've gotten to that 95%. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's from a couple of years ago and and discuss what what stopped you and maybe how you got through it. And if you haven't, maybe what what's going to get you through it. I kind of have a theory about this, John, and uh, interested to get e- each of your take on this. But I think the reason why so many models get to the 95% is we have a comfort level. We have techniques that we're very, very comfortable using. We've done it lots and lots of times. And I think a lot of times what really gets a model across the finish line is reaching outside of that comfort zone a little bit. John, you mentioned it might be adding stowage. It might be doing another weathering technique. 
listeners are probably tired of hearing about it, but my slave one sat in my model case for uh, three years and I just never really felt like it was finished. And I dove into Mike Rinaldi's oil paint rendering technique. I really wanted to do it. And when I felt like I, I kind of was at the point where I could use it, I used that and I really felt like it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I ended up with a piece that I was proud of. And I really felt like it was now instead of 95%, it was 100%. What, what do you what do you guys think about that? Do you think it is kind of stretching yourselves out to really get it across the finish line with things you're not comfortable, or is it something else? No, I think it, it definitely is. It's it's definitely reaching out and trying something new, and because you everybody gets to a point where you know you weather it, you do your pin washes, but there's something else you need to do, and you just you get to that point. You know, I don't want to take too much time, but. For me, when I post the 95 and I, I post it and show people, it, it, they give me that. What else I need to do? Hey, your stowage is not tied down. Tie your stowage down. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Or your, your exhaust pipes are not looking just not enough. Or, you know, your headlights. Hey, you forgot to paint your headlights. Yeah. You know, that happens. You know, we all know that. And, uh, but you know, it's things like that that, and that push me a little bit harder and push me farther. And maybe, you know, it's people need to, you know, when you reach out like that, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to some people like, I'm, I don't mean to drop names, but like Adam Wilder or something like that. A lot of these people will reply back and say, hey, yeah, this looks good, but you need to try this. And you try that one thing and pop. That's your past the 95. You know, if you want to ask, ask TJ, ask JB, you know, ask Doug, you know, they'll, they'll go give you every, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll help you a hundred percent. Don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. and I'm not being I'm being totally serious. I am such I am the king of and I and I just thought about this and I realized I'm the one that tends to point out I bring everybody down. I'm I'm you know, <laughs> the the whiner here, but, but I am so good at getting okay, the ninety five <laughs> Debbie Downer, Dougie Downer, Dougie, Dougie Downer. Downer. I, uh, I realized that I hit ninety five percent and look to most compared to most models being built out there, not the people that we see at Nats, but most people, 95% is better than what a lot of people are building. And so I'm really good at seeing that and saying, you know what, this is really good. I'm happy with it. And knowing that I could go a little farther and not doing it sometimes. And and that's something that, especially since we started this podcast, I've concentrated a little more on trying to push it just a little farther, get a little more done. But... I'm not the best at giving critiques on a finished model or one that looks really close because a lot of times I'll look at that and say, man, I wish I could do that. So I don't have anything to add because that's better than what I can do. So that's how I feel about that. But uh, yeah. Well, for me, I mean, it was a model that I think that I was at 95% and got, I had uh, built a Kuba wagon a while ago, about a year ago, cut the back off, made it into a, converted into a, basically a Kuba wagon truck, which they used during the war. Germans so good. Such yeah. a good model. But it wasn't good because at first I, I, I hit that point and then I reached out to you, Scott, and I really do appreciate this. And we talked about it for a while and you said, hey, try this, try this and try this. And I did. And it looks to me, it was like, I, why didn't I see that? It was like, bam. And it was like right there. And it was just, you pushed me, you know, you pushed me farther. You pushed me past that 95%. And I really do appreciate that. And, you know, it, was, it, it that's what I like. And, you know, another thing for me for 95 is, you know, a base, 
when you start talking about terrain, putting your vehicle on a base, you know, what should I do with this vehicle? Well, just put it on, a, you know, just put it on a piece of wood and you're good. No, well, why don't you try and put a little dirt here and some rocks and put a sign and makes it give it a little bit of a story or something like that. And that that to me just helped me too. And that's yeah, that's that. a, that's a yeah, that presentation element. That's something I want to get into. But before we do that, JB, I, I want your take on this sort of comfort zone and being being pushed out out of, out of your box a little bit. What do you think about that? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I think you can look at a lot of my models and it kind of goes back in my mind. I'm at a hundred percent, but really I'm still at 95. A good example is one of my recent builds, the Yag Panther that some of you have seen in person. I thought it was good. I thought it was done. And you know, it goes back to comfort level. I'm like, you know what? I'm good with this. I'm comfortable. I'm going to skip the pigment section. So I, I sent it to somebody and you know, they wrote back like, Hey, this is awesome. But you know, what about adding this here? And what about tweaking this here? And I'm like, dang it. You're right. I'm like, you are absolutely right. And you know, it, it was my own, um, you know, lack of, lack of ambition, maybe lack of risk at that moment to jump out of my comfort zone and, and attack pigments, uh, you know, and, and when I say pigments, you know, doing them on the suspension tracks, all that, that, that's not a problem. It's when they're in large flat surfaces that scare the bejesus out of me. And on the Yag Panther, it's a perfect example where the roof, the engine deck, they're very flat, they're very open, they're very exposed. And if you do something wrong, it can really mess up effects underneath. And that's something that I am not willing to go out of my comfort zone very far. But in this time, I, you know, I acknowledge, hey, this person is right. Uh, I need to do this. And, you know, I literally turned back on the lights after I saw the email and, and went, pulled some pigments and then worked on the roof. And little baby steps at a time. It wasn't like slogging pigments on and then trying to to massage it. No, it was really being careful and picking areas to start that if something did happen to go wrong, you could easily fix it with potentially another effect. And it was that moment where in my mind, I'm at 100 on, you know, with sharing it, I'm at 95. And then after sharing it, getting that feedback, it's realizing, nah, my 100 is actually 95 because of my comfort level. And then I pushed it further to get that extra 5% to show a finished model. And, you know, I'm really happy I did it because it added more texture in places that I didn't think was possible and added more effects that bring a better sense of realism to the model. So long answer, Scott, to your rather simple question, but I think there's an inherent link to the last 5% and your comfort level. Well, and and I think all of you have kind of touched on this element too, but w- the coolest thing, and I've said this ad nauseum, so I apologize to everybody out there. Social media allows us to collaborate. Um, I can talk to Grant, I can talk to Doug, I can talk to John, and I can send pictures, you know, TJ. And that's really awesome. I think to make sure we get from 95 to 100, Maybe we make that a part of our procedure, you know, hey, John, I I really feel like this is done, but what would you do to it? You know, because your friends are going to give you the kind of critique that is honest and is helpful and everything. So, um, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I, I think collaboration might be a real key to this process. Without a doubt, I've gotten a lot of kits pretty close and then gotten that feedback from you guys, um, that A-Wing that I built the Bandai A-Wing, there were a lot of things that I learned that, I mean, not all of it was just you guys. You guys shared information to me. Scott shared that AK sci-fi book with me and gave me some ideas to, on how to, to how to take that to the next level. So 
so there's there's a lot of knowledge out there if if you're just willing to receive it. Oh, definitely, Doug. I, I agree with you too. And Scott, you know, it's it's just reach out and you know there people will help. And you guys have been fantastic with my stuff because sometimes I you know I feel like you know I'm done and it's done it's ready to go. But then you you, you share it with somebody and say, oh yeah, well you know try this. And then you know I'm still trying to figure out how. JB does those phenomenal camouflage, triple camouflages on German tanks. I, I swear to God, the guy, you must have sold your soul to the devil or something. I don't know what you did, but you, you know, you and you and the entire armor modeling world. Yeah. The guy is just, I, I swear to God, he's probably, you know, just got a tail behind him somewhere. I know he does. And he's just, you know, he's just in J, you know, and TJ with his machine Krieger kits and his beautiful Shermans. And you got Ivan with, you know, Oh, I broke my model, but I'm still going to put the figure in and I get a third place at nationals with it. Yeah. Whatever. You know, that just, <laughs> that just happens, you know, it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, things like that. And your, your guys's opinions and, and, and you're not the only ones I've got friends that from local groups here. And I, I recommend people, you know, you know, take your stuff to groups, show it to people and say, Hey, you know, what do you think? What, where, what do I need to, you know, improve? And, and try and put it on the Facebook page. You know, people will tell you, you know, as long as, you know, it'll be nice. And you'll find that. I, I would also echo, you know, feel free to message us, you know, putting it out on Facebook and asking for feedback can be a hornet's nest sometimes. And, and I think, I think it's important to make clear, you know, when you come to the plastic posse Facebook page, you know, that that's not what you're going to be met with unless you ask for it. I think that's really important to note as well. So, you know, we welcome any and all posts, but also we'd love to think of us, as a group of individuals that if a person is looking for help, we can certainly help them grow. And if you don't want to put yourself out there in the public Facebook, shoot us a message. Feel free to reach out to any one of us individually, shoot our page message, throw a picture in there and say, hey, I think I'm getting to the right place. I'm almost done. Any final thoughts? I tell you what, 10 out of 10 times, we're going to look it over. We're going to respond and we're going to give you some positive encouragement on where you may grow. But otherwise, just do it. I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Everyone out there is here to help. And if you don't want feedback, that's okay too. You know, take, uh, you know, watch a YouTube video, see, see, you know, I don't think we've mentioned night shift, so maybe this is a good time. Um, you know, <laughs> watch a night shift video. I think what one of the, some of the videos I actually love the most from his is that last 5% is the last little bit where it's 20 minutes of him kind of tidying everything up. It's going between the stowage pieces. It's adding the little subtle streaking effects. It's adding the dust here and there, or polishing off the scene with the installation of figures, integrating them with the groundwork, putting the putting the tank on the base. Like that last 5%, I find are the videos that I enjoy the most. So if, if you want to look for inspiration outside of direct feedback from individuals, look at that in YouTube videos. You know, it's, I think it's well documented that each of us, even uh, JB, I'm going to throw you under the bus here a little bit. Um, you know, even the best modelers, um, we get tunnel vision. We get, you know, you're, you're on the, you're on the tail of your, in a dogfight and you're on the tail of your enemy and uh, you get tunnel vision and you don't realize that his wingman's going to shoot you down. Um, JB had that T34 and he got so frustrated and he, he called me and we were just sitting there talking and, and, uh, he he just he felt like the camouflage had shifted too far one way. I said, well, just just throw a filter on there. So be there for your buddies, and because we do get tunnel vision, and I think again, collaboration maybe isn't always 
constructive feedback. Sometimes it's just hearing, hearing somebody out and, you know, somebody who's frustrated and say, no, no, it's all good. That's a really good model, but maybe here's a couple other ways that you could, you could approach that. I like to think that, uh, sometimes we're afraid to try the new stuff. And I just want to say, try it. Just do it. First of all, these are models. They're usually not terribly expensive. They're pieces of plastic. And if we ruin them, we can always start another one. But even even more important than that is I've rarely ruined a model. Usually, if I try something new and it doesn't work, I can either reverse it or cover it up. And so it's not that big a deal to try something new. Um, and, and sometimes you hit a home run and you might even make that mistake that turns out to be one of the coolest effects you're ever going to get. Um, and you'll never be able to repl- re- reproduce, reproduce it because you don't know what you did to cause it. But I've done some pretty cool stuff by making mistakes, trying something new. Just don't be afraid of it. Yeah. And I want to go back to what something JB said. If, if you don't want the personal, you know, review of your stuff, um, you know, look at videos on YouTube. Another thing you need to, uh, what I find is a great thing is just going to like, and looking at uh, like Pinterest and just typing in a subject and looking at it, World War II tanks, you know, and you see how dirty they are. You see how, what they look like and you get it. For me, it helps me a lot to get past that, you know, that, that, that hump where I want to get something to done. Sometimes I can't reach out to somebody and say, Hey, well, if I look at pictures, it does help me. So that's just another thing you can do. And just want to throw that out there also. Well, I want to circle back around to um, something we kind of hit on earlier and, uh, you know, John kind of followed up on, but, you know, going from 95 to 100 percent in terms of presentation, you know, uh, TJ, I'll tell you, you get sick of me always saying, put a base on it, put a base on it. You know, Grant, your um, Thanos bus that you did at NAS was incredible, but it looked awesome because you, you know, great presentation. You put it on a, on a base and John, you mentioned our good friend night shift and, and how the videos that you like are where he's kind of investing in figures and scenery and structures and, and all of that. And so I think that's another way. And I, I think a lot of those skills, I, I can't speak for you guys, but I haven't made a lot of bases. You know, I've done a few, but it's an area I would say I'm not comfortable with, but I also recognize the value in, in giving it a try and really trying to push it over the top as far as not just a good model, but the presentation of that model. What do you guys think about that? So yeah, Scott, I think you hit on something really important there and something that I certainly need to improve on. And it's very interesting. Now we're going to we're going to talk about like the 110%, I guess you could say, which I can't stand that saying, but I just said it. When you look at a model, you know, again, I'll use my Yog Panther as an example. I thought it was at 100% after adding the pigments, but you know, Scott mentions a base and there it is again. It's like, okay, how do I take this to the next level? Well, let's add a little base to it. Let's add something simple. And, you know, it's a little bit more than a tank on a plank, but, you know, it's it's some dirt, it's some static grass, put a little fence in it. And I have my guy with his little figure waving a little flare to probably tell his tell his German friends, we're going over there, start the battle. But like little things like that, I do think elevated again. And, and maybe it's just shifting the paradigm where you're changing your 100%, where yes, you're 100% on the actual model, which is in my case, the tank. But the project itself, when you look at that from 100% perspective, it is adding the base. It is adding the figure. And and again, I think it's important to say that's my perspective. Everyone's going to feel differently. I think it's important to acknowledge that some people just love to build an armor piece and put it on a blank piece of wood. Like a, It almost looks like an art display. And I respect that a lot. 
great example, you know, a person that goes back and forth is Sam Dwyer. You know, some of his work, Panther G that he was hoping to take to Nats with the two kids walking past it, like that is a really encapsulating project with the vehicle, with the groundwork, with the figures, the story it's telling. It's absolutely fantastic. And then you look at the King Tiger that he ended up bringing to Nats and it's on a very nice, well-lacquered black base. It's got a nice nameplate and it's it's oriented in a way where it's telling a little bit of a story. It's got the commander up there. So I think that 100% changes between models and what that really means and what you're looking to achieve. But like as Scott mentioned, those little things that take it from you know something that you could see anywhere on the table to something that elevates it, separates it, and ultimately makes it rememberable. That's that's what really sticks out to me, and that's what I'm striving always to get better at. So let's say you're doing a base. In my case, I've never done a base. How would you start? Like like, what do you recommend for a, someone that's never done a base? Say they're doing a tank, any tank, doesn't matter which one. What would you start with? Something very, very simple, I would assume. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just kick it off. Sorry, I'm monopolizing all the time. I'll kick it over to your grant because I'm only going to kick it over to grant after I'm done because my bases are rudimentary compared to yours. So I'll, I'll start and then you can talk about yours because they are fantastic with the integration of more groundwork, but mine are very straightforward and simple for people looking to start off with bases. I think there's a few very, very easy and cheap things to do. One, you can buy a cheap picture frame. Ikea has phenomenal cheap black picture frames. Four by six, five by seven, fantastic place to start. A four by six frame will get you a 35th scale stug type of vehicle, even a Sherman on it. That's a great place to start. So you can start with that frame. You can use the glass itself and maybe have it sit a little bit under. I, I prefer to bump it up a little bit. So I'll grab some insulation foam and cut it in a square, or you can put a block of wood in it. For groundwork, start off with very simple. You can use celluclay. You can use, um, there's, there's different types of putty. I forget off the top of my head. Uh, the one that Martin uses. And then there's also different diorama pastes that you can use to get that ground texture and then simple static grass, paint it tan, pick out the greens and I'm going to mention Night Shift again. His color combinations for groundwork are absolutely stellar. And he is an inspiration constantly. And I would recommend to just check out his videos to get a starting point. But that's kind of a simplistic approach for a base for an armor vehicle. You know, start off square, start off simple, start off easy, work through it, and then begin to slowly elevate. And then you get to Grant status, where he's taking figures, monoliths, telling the story <laughs> in such a small package. So, Grant, I'm going to kick it over to you to kind of talk about that type of imagination and storytelling. Uh, well, I, you give me way too much credit, first of all. Uh, Night Shift did a really, really good video. It came out today. Uh, what was it? The Panzer in the Lake. Uh, fantastic. He did it. You know, it was really good. And it's a, it's a picture. And, and if you want to see, you know, how to do something first off, that's exactly what you need to do. Now, for me, if you're doing a model tank or a vehicle or whatever, never have it just sitting on the base. And the, the idea JB gave about bases, fantastic. Get those things, you know, use the construction foam. You can buy it at Lowe's. You can buy it at, you know, Home Depot, wherever you can find it at construction sites and they throw it away. I've actually picked up stuff outside trash cans that just the installation, the pink or the blue installation foam is the fantastic stuff. But um, when you're doing a, a model like that and you're you just don't put it on a flat base. For me, I don't like to do that. I'll put it at an angle, some kind of angle up, down, going downhill, going uphill, going at a 45 degree angle, bring some life into that model and little things like 
tying it all together, um, the grass, the, the, the ground texture, uh, DAS is a DAS is a putty that is really good for the, uh, making it laying down on top of your styrofoam or your foam or whatever, and then just building it, letting it dry, putting it in and building it. Um, AK, MIG, all these guys make ground textures. Um, now, I'm going to tell you this now, be careful of what you put on the styrofoam after you put the basing material on it, because if you put uh, super glue or something like that, or thinners or something like that, and you haven't sealed your base completely, it can ruin the base. It'll go into that styrofoam and just eat it away. So be careful with that. That being said, another great way of learning how to do bases, I learned from going to YouTube and watching guys that build Warhammer figures, what they do with a small space and how they angle it and how they use cork and how they use tiers um, is fantastic. You, you know, look at your, this is kind of hard because we're, you won't see us, but think of your diorama as a triangle and you want a high point, a midpoint and a low point. And you want something in those points, each of those points to draw your attention to that model. And that's the way I look at it. So if you look at some of my stuff, I'll have a high point, a column. I'll have a midpoint, which is usually my figure. And I'll have a low point, which is usually like something on the ground, a skull or shells from a weapon or something like that. And, you know, most diorama builders do the exact same thing. So that's what I do. Uh, and for a first diorama, never keep it flat. Put it at an angle put it at 45 degrees, whatever, have it going up a hill, going down a hill. And you'll be surprised that when you put it next to a vehicle that's laying flat on, on, on just a piece, it'll it'll draw a little bit more attention because you're giving it life. And that that that's what I do. Yeah. And don't make it too big. Keep your base as small as you can. Exactly. Um, so you don't have a bunch of dead space. Yeah. And then, um, Doug, look at other people. Like a great example is our good friend, uh, Martin Drayton. Yeah. You know, he just, I, I mean, he gets better with every single piece, but he's really great at taking, you know, that colonial viper he just finished. Great model, but all of a sudden he puts it on a base and puts two or three figures and a ladder to, for the ship and, you know, some associated sci-fi kind of stuff off to the side. Also, Andy Moore over on Brit Modeler does all those amazing Bandai Star Wars. And his presentation is always like A+. Andy Moore is just incredible. Let me say something about Martin Drayton's Viper. If if you haven't been on our Facebook page to see his build, it's there. It's beautiful. It may be the best Viper I've seen. And Scott's absolutely right. Everything he added to it just made it pop that much more. And another thing about it is he used the right, he used everything in that space and there's no left out spacers like it would be in, like Scott said, you don't want to have like a big empty space where, you know, you've got to find something to put into it. You build around a smaller base and that's the hardest thing, but it's one of the things I see about modelers sometimes where you'll see like a kit, a vehicle and a, a couple of crewmen in a tree, but there'll be these huge open spaces, you know, cut it down, make it small, make it you know, give it that little bit of a story is very, very important. But Martin's, you know, his Colonial Viper is just phenomenal. I, I still love his P-38 crashed on the beach. You know, that is another one he does fantastic work on. Yeah, that was one of my favorites from the Nationals. I think when we talk about small bases, keeping it tight, telling that story in that small space, I got to recommend Marcel Dulong. He is a unbelievable modeler. It's a very easy website to go to. It's marceldulong.com. Click on his plastics. Major sci-fi guy, military stuff as well. But he has a great way of displaying unique subjects in a very tight and elevated 
undulated way. I just, his work is completely inspiring. And, you know, I think it's really hard to pull off a base when the model extends over it. I think that's really difficult. I think when done the majority of the time, it's, it's honestly done a little bit poorly to see it done really well, check out his and it's little things. Like for instance, there's one, it looks like an iron giant. He's fallen through this, like all this broken up earth and the piece of the model that's extending over the base, the way the arm is laid in a natural way just looks good over the base. And there's other examples where he has like an SAFS suit, you know, having it flying, essentially grabbing onto the base, like it's in space. And I think that's a really interesting thing. One other piece, he has like a mech suit with a bunch of Soviet charging soldiers. And one of those soldiers is stepping off the base. I think those things are really unique. And then just Again, add another of layer of complexity, elevate it and tell that story just a little bit more and take it to a place that not often is seen in scale modeling. Yeah. Speaking of uh, YouTube videos, uh, there's a modeler uh, over close to you, John, and we've talked about his work several times. Boy, lay hobby time. You know, he'll take a piece and it always has a, a an element of storytelling, an element of being funny or clever or having having action built into it. That's another um, great way to look at presentation and, you know, take your take your builds over the top. Yeah. Boyle is just a great example. When I look at his stuff, it's he he is such a creative mind. And also with him, there's so much subtlety in his builds, too. You know, one, he did a fantastic Yellowstone Glacier with the different colors in the glacier all the way down to the bottom. But what's interesting, if you look close to the bottom, he had two LED lights there to simulate a creature. And it's something as little as that in a very complex, unique base that just, again, I love the word elevate because it elevates it to a place that you you just don't think of. You know, a lot of people would just build it as is, have the fishermen up top looking down in, and they leave it at that where he is taking that extra little step with either LED lighting. You know, he often puts creatures in his things. He did one, actually, I love. He took a geode, a legit geode, broke it up, created a cave out of it, and then integrated some different like creatures and miners in it. So the imagination and what you can create with a base outside of the model. It's whether you call it a vignette diorama, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a story. It's a scene. It's, it's emotional in a lot of cases. And, you know, we're going to go, we're going to turn the clock way back. And, you know, one example I'd love to talk about briefly is Rick Lawler's Burden of Sorrow. It is a very unique, very, very pointed base that tells the story through simple items oriented, you know, from the rail car, clothes, luggage, like little things like that. And you're telling a story through those little things that make a huge impact. And I think that's really important. And for our listeners who have never seen it, Burden of Sorrow, it could honestly be in the Holocaust Museum because it is so powerful and well executed and tells a story that is very, 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 very thought provoking and and very impactful and something that should never be forgotten. And I think he nails it beautifully, tastefully, and a lot of it is through the execution of the base. Yeah, I agree with that, John. It's, it, you know, it, it talking about <laughs> taking something to 100%, you know, not only are we doing storytelling, but we're doing storytelling of something that was really, really awful, but in a very dignified and respectable way. And I think those are elements that, you know, are tied into a project like that, that kind of dare I say, turn something like that from a mere model 
into a piece of art. You know, it's, you know, and I want to throw another one out there if you guys don't mind. I don't know if you know who Roman Laplatte is. He's a figure painter who does some fantastic work. You need to see his stuff. Roman Laplatte.com. He's on Facebook. R-O-M-A-N-L-A-P-P-A-T. Fantastic. He does some really good stuff uh, with small figures, large figures. He's a fantastic and he still, he, what Roman does, in my opinion, is he tells a story with, with one figure and with the color he paints that figure and how he sets that pick the color up to show a light, a, a scene in the picture of the eyes of the individual. He's doing now a lot of stuff with, uh, picture frames, regular small picture frames, and he's adding figures to picture frames and he's telling a story in such a small pace, place, excuse me. Um, and he does it with color and he does it with light and, and he does this phenomenal work. Um, you might have seen him a couple of years ago. He had a really big thing going with these really tiny, small astronauts, and he was putting them on like the Eiffel Tower and the, you know, it's Statue of Liberty when it's like covered with water and stuff like that. And if you look at those uh, again and you look at the visor, he actually paints the visor with what the, the, the reflection in the visor. And it's, you look at stuff like that and you just, you, you can't not be inspired to go that extra five, you know, 5% and get this done. I mean, his work like Rick's and, you know, I call it Rick because, you know, me and Rick are like this now, but you know, it's, you know, it, it, what he does is just phenomenal. And it's just fantastic. Yeah. He's, he's one that I've followed on Instagram a lot. I've actually bought some of his PDFs. I've actually reached out to him and said, Hey, I say you, I see you do classes. Are you coming stateside anytime soon? Because his work is absolutely exactly like you said, Grant, impactful storytelling and pure artistry. One of the things that I was really moved by, he did a koala bear with its, mm -hmm. with its cub in a tree and did ob object source lighting from a fire underneath and auctioned it off and then donated that money to, to an Australian fund, I believe. Like his work, that storytelling aspect, that, that last 5% is really, really unbelievable. And I just echo what you said, Grant. Everybody should go over, check out his page. Just stellar work. And it's purely inspiring. And man, I, I would I can't wait until he comes. I reached out to him before the pandemic and he had said he was going to have a class. I don't know if he's been back. He was just at World Model Expo as a judge. I think he might go to Skill Model Challenge, which I plan on going to in 2023. But he he's another one where it's just unbelievable the the amount of work that he can do in such a small space and tell that story definitely his his you know you're right jb he he i i've actually reached out to him a couple of times myself because i saw that he does well he does most of his stuff in germany because that's where he's from and i would love to get just go to a class with him one time and just see you know how how he does i mean he's a phenomenal painter in all mediums does does paintings he does figures he does you know dioramas he does everything he he built recently just built a diorama of uh, a little zombie diorama but it had like a thousand figures on it and it was uh it, it was phenomenal it was and he did something a couple of years ago um and it was a space marine with tyranids being basically devoured by a group of tyranids these space marines and sanguineous uh, you know i'm going i'm going super nerdy here sanguineous and the, you know, flying above and just get barely escaping this. It's just phenomenal. Look at his stuff. All right. Well, Grant, thank you so much for leading us on that discussion. I think both topics are very interesting. Clean slate build in the last 5%. And, and I really appreciate that we kind of dug down and, and honestly swayed away from, I think the 5%, but it, it was really good to have that discussion because 
it talks about all these things that contribute to the end result of a model, bringing you out of your comfort zone, finishing it to a level that you haven't experienced before and elevating it. So I think those discussions were great. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Again, if you have a clean slate build, drop it in, hashtag clean slate build. And then that last 5%, if you want to post a model that needs that last 5%, feel free to. If you finish something to 100% and want to talk about what puts you over the edge, please do as well. Before I hand it off to Grant to call this episode, I'd love to mention that we are doing a special initiative on Patreon. And we're going to have a group build, but it's going to be a little bit more interesting than your standard group build. This is going to be all focused on the Tamiya Tiger One Early, that's 148 scale. It's a project that is very straightforward, very easy to build. And the whole goal of it is to follow along with me to expand your modeling techniques and learn something new. So what does that mean? I will be posting links to live sessions where I'll be building in front of everyone and interacting with everyone. So if you see the link and you're a Patreon supporter, you can click on it and be able to attend. Unfortunately, StreamYard does have a limit of 10 people. However, if we do reach that limit, it'll be broadcasted live on YouTube in a confidential link that you can attend. And then it's also being recorded, which will post on a link available to Patreon subscribers. So what can you expect? You'll expect me building along. We'll do the construction probably in a day or two. That's going to be very quick. And the main focus of this group build is to expand on finishing techniques. Everybody mentions tritonal camouflage scheme, the difficulties of painting it. I'm going to show you live, uncut, no filter of how to do it. I'm going to use an Iwata HPC, but you are welcome to use any tools, any paints that you want. So during each lesson, I'll clearly define what I'm using, what settings I'm using. But at the end of the day, the goal is to have fun ask questions, learn, and have something accomplished at the end of it. The sessions are going to be recorded on a routine basis. I'm thinking weekly, hopefully, but if they do slip, it'll be at least bi-weekly. It shouldn't take too long. I'm thinking four or five sessions, and each session is going to be a very significant part of the build, whether that's base coating and painting to the beginning steps of weathering, some more advanced chipping techniques, decal application, and then ultimately pigments, my kryptonite. So if you're interested, please stop on over to Patreon to learn more, grab a kit, get started, and let's have some fun. And with that, Grant, take us home. Uh, before we finish up, I want to bring up the Plastic Posse's Machining Krieger group build. As you know, we started a Machining Krieger group build for the 2023 Nationals. If you take a look on pa our page, you'll see that we have over 100 people starting builds on the group, uh, starting builds on the page. So if you want to have fun, build a mock A kit, join the group. It'll be a great time. Okay, well, guys, I think that will be the, ep the end of episode 51. Thanks again for joining us. And remember to send your feedback and suggestions or emails to the Plastic Posse Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Plastic Posse Podcast at gmail.com. Only one more thing left to say. Yee-haw! <laughs> Good job, man. Nice. Nice. <laughs>